Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the Hair Radio Morning Show. I'm Carrie Hot. Let me tell you about Platinum Needles. Platinum Needles are the world's first and only pre-threaded and knotted hair weaving needles promoting health and sanitation. Platinum Needles are easy to use, are available in nylon or cotton selections, and will cut your dreadlock repair, sew-in, and extension times down by 50% or more. Visit us today at PlatinumNeedles.com. That's P. Hi, I'm Carrie Hines from HairRadio.com, and I'm thrilled to welcome you to our next installment of Hair Nation Expo Live 2019. It's the largest African American themed live hair show in the Northeast. It's being held over three big days: at Saturday, May 4th, 2019; Sunday, May 5th, 2019. And Monday, May 6, 2019, from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., and on Monday from 10 a.m. to 5 at the world-famous Showboat Hotel in Atlantic City, New Jersey. It's a live hair and beauty show that features the best in education, performances, hair, and beauty demonstrations, competitions, two-stage areas, and shopping on our large exhibition floor. We have a full bar with our own drink specials and VIP areas. We also have our own exclusive Hair Nation Expo check-in counter where you present your admission tickets for the event. What's great about Hair Nation Expo 2019 is that there's so much to do in Atlantic City. The Showboat Hotel is located right on the boardwalk and at the water. It's footsteps away from amusement rides, restaurants, casinos, and so much more. Now, if you are a vendor, buy your food for table early while prices are low. You get a standard 10 by 10 space with uh, much more room for you to make money at Hair Nation Expo 2019. Do you want to call us right away to reserve your space? Our phone number is 1-800-379-0748. Once again, that's 1-800-379-0748. Now, sponsors, uh, you get much more back from your investment into one of the largest African-American trade shows uh, in our country. So uh, there's so much that you're going to earn back just from making a simple investment. Now, for more information, go to our website at hairnationexpo.biz. 
That's dot B-I-Z. Call us at 1-800-379-0748. Now remember parking. We have a great parking price. It's just $12 to sell parkers. And if uh, you are interested in valet parking, it's only $15. And that's an all-day rate. Now, to our amazing show visitors, remember you do not have to be a professional in the hair or beauty industry to attend Hair Nation Expo 2019. Buy your ticket early, get it as low as $30 in advance, or you'll pay up to $55 at the door. Remember, $99 will cover you for all three days of admission into the Hair Nation Expo event. What do you get for the amazing low admission price? Well, you get many free classes and an opportunity to network with the very best. Don't forget to ask us about VIP pricing. Remember, we do have VIP pricing and we have VIP spacing. So, uh, spaces for you to have a great time. So, do, do keep that in mind. Now, we cannot wait to see you on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. That's May 4th, May 5th, and May 6th, 2019 at Showboat Hotel in Atlantic City, New Jersey. I'm Carrie Hines. Remember to visit our website again at www.hairnationexpo.biz. B-I-Z. Thank you. We'll see you there. You're listening to the Hair Radio Morning Show. I'm Carrie Hines, and I have a very special guest with us today. His name is Dr. Joel Freeman. Now, he is the founder, CEO, and president of the Freeman Institute. Dr. Freeman, I'd like to welcome you to the Hair Radio Morning Show. Well, it's my pleasure to be with you, Carrie. Absolutely. Now, first of all, um, we've got to start at the beginning. Tell everyone what the Freeman Institute is. It's a company I I started uh, back about 21, 22 years ago. And uh, we have eight arenas of expertise, and that ranges from workshops and retreats and keynote addresses to uh, culture change, reality-based organizational change. And then uh, I do executive success coaching, uh, I do Black History and Diversity Day presentations, and uh, I have a whole aspect that deals with entrepreneurship and business intelligence and creativity, and then do open registration seminar events for communities, and then also develop the uh, Rosetta Stone Replica Project. Uh, the Rosetta Stone is not the language software company, it's the uh, actual uh, artifact that was used to cracked the code to hieroglyphics back in the um, uh, early 1800s, and the original is in the British Museum. It's, it was uh, made in in Egypt, uh, on the west bank of the Nile. They found it in 1799. Uh, French soldiers did. But uh, anyway, it's I have the world's first and only full-size three-dimensional replica that's available for the general public. And also have my own publishing company and and other projects we work in, work with. So that kind of gives you uh, pr- pretty much a quick overview of, of the Institute. Sure. And, and tell the folks out there, where is the Institute located? And uh, we'll take it from there in terms of what it's all about. Sure. It's in uh, Maryland, not far from Annapolis, Maryland. Okay. And so I want to just let everybody know, as you were kind enough to just kind of give us a quick uh, overview of the Freeman Institute, 
But when I looked at your website at um, freemaninstitute.com, I saw quite a bit of information, um, so many different things that really kind of piqued my interest, and I was just blown away, to be quite frank with you, Dr. Freeman. Uh, one of the things that uh, we'll get into, there's so many different aspects, like I said, that we're going to get into, but the, one, of the, one of my favorite parts that I uncovered on your site of course, um, like some of the, you know, on a lighter side, some of the quotes that you have there are just fantastic. And um, so, you know, I just wanted to let you know that I'm someone who gravitates oh, towards you. quotes and things of that nature. So I, when I saw it, and I look at your uh, kind of your long list of items that you have on your site, and I see that you cover kind of everything, you really do. And you outline it there, you put it there. It's a lot of work that has gone into this. You have some wonderful things that you're doing, uh, obviously, in the way of education, and you have, uh, you know, just uh, some great things uh, historical of historical content, um, you know, reference. And then my other part, um, my, other part my other part of this that I absolutely love um, is that you have a huge collection, so of uh, artifacts and things that, um, you know, that document the African-American experience or the African experience, I guess, if you were on, on some level. So, you know, we want, to walk, we want you to walk us through just about everything. So, um, and then I'm going to end with the entrepreneurship because that's another part of this that fits into a great deal of uh, where we are today at uh, the Hair Radio Morning Show and what we talk about quite often. So I've got a whole thing on that uh, to kind of cover with you. So let's talk about um, this particular, um, before we even get into Annie Malone, which we will definitely get into, let's talk about the, I think I saw something that you had written, a documentary, if you will, on a white man's journey into uh, or through black, uh, black America, I think it was. Why don't you tell the folks about this and how all this came to be, uh, why this came to be and, and how you got involved, because I understand that you're from Canada. Is that correct? That's correct. Um, okay. Yeah, what so happened is I ended up leaving home when I was 17. I come from a little town of uh, Three Hills, Alberta, Canada, and I left home at 17, just started hitchhiking all around North America, long-haired wow. hippie, dope-smoking fool, and just uh, traveled probably five, 6,000 miles on my thumb. Uh, pretty much wow. all around uh, North America. And then I had um, uh, an experience that actually changed my life it, that really uh, caused me to, um, uh, to, to, to revisit, you know, what my purpose was and what my goals were. I signed up for Bible school the next day. and uh, How became... old were you, if I may ask, at that point? <laughs> I was, as you uh, don't actually... mind. I was actually about 17. Really? I was, I was 19 years of age. I'm sorry, 19 at that point. Wow. Okay. And then I ended up going to uh, school. I became a pastor. I became chaplain for the Bullets, the Wizards, and the NBA. Wow. Uh, one of the first chaplains in the history of the NBA. And I started that in 1978-79 season. And um, So then, what are the chaplain, for those of us who don't know? Uh, obviously, we know what a chaplain uh, does in general, but what 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 did chaplain for the NBA do exactly? Like, how does how does all that work? Well, I'm actually writing a book about it right now called "Finding the Open Man," subtitled mm. 
the uh, subtitled The Surprising Benefits of Unselfishness. And uh, basically, the whole idea behind being a chaplain is to be a confidant, a friend, someone without any hidden agenda, someone who uh, keeps everything in absolute confidence and uh, is just there for the guys, is not there to take but to give. And it's such a rare situation for uh, for so many NBA players because most people have a, have a hidden and sometimes not so hidden agenda. And so sometimes they don't even know for a year to two years what their real agenda is for some people that want to get close to them, either through their kids, wow. their fa- fa- wife or family, parents. They try to get through to the player. And so uh, I, really I, I didn't uh, – I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to do it, and so uh, I just. Uh, but I just knew I could. I could love these guys unconditionally, and I could uh, uh, be a listening ear. I didn't always have the right thing to say, perhaps, but I could at least listen. And I think that uh, over 20 seasons, I mean, there are six coaching changes, and generally speaking, a new coach brings in. Uh, his or her new people, you know, depending on the WNBA or NBA or whatever, they just clear the deck and start with their own people. And uh, to have survived six coaching changes, I, I still shake my head. It, it's remarkable to me that that even happened. But it was a, a great ride. Got to know a lot of players and their families. And um, that, in a nutshell, is is what it's all about. So you probably uh, well well I also understand that uh, you used to get a lot of questions from these guys and that's kind of what also helped to prompt you and and kind of push you forward with uh, you know getting uh, to have a deeper understanding. So uh, what kind of questions did they pepper you with? Well, what happened is is uh, of course you can imagine when I was 25 years of age when this happened. And uh, my first year, my first season, and and I, I've always looked rather young, and uh, you can imagine I probably looked about 16 or 17 years of age when I was 25, and so uh, they're they're looking at each other and saying, "You mean we're supposed to spill our guts to that guy? You got to be kidding me!" And so um, it was uh, earning their respect, but I think that they were testing the seams of my soul and trying to and, and the sincerity of my heart by asking questions. It's probably unconscious. I don't think it was a conscious uh, uh, grilling or anything like that. But over time, they began to ask questions like, you know, what did Jesus look like? Um, What part did people of African descent have to play in biblical and extra-biblical history? Um, uh, Just questions like that that I I found that I, I did not have the responses to. Heck, I didn't even know what questions to ask. And so... Uh, what happened is that little by little, it forced me to start researching so that I could have some type of a credible response to them. Then you fast forward. That was my first inkling, uh, uh, real inkling, that, uh, that I needed to grow and expand. I never was interested in history in school, but uh, that, that got me started. Then you fast forward to about 95, 1995, I met a gentleman by the name of Don Griffin. He was the senior HR manager for a company, and uh, by that time in 93, I had stopped pastoring and decided to take my pastor's heart into the business world, so I launched my own company called the Freeman Institute, and uh, at that point, uh, I was at his job, you know, working 
doing some some uh, events for his senior leadership team. And uh, between sessions, Don began to share with me his journey as a, as an African American male uh, growing up, and some of the n latest revelations and understandings he had about himself and about history, and it fascinated me. So uh, I began to study some of the things that he was saying, began to research. I had that much respect for him. And uh, I remember going to the, the, the um, library time and time again. Uh, there's no internet at the time. And um, I just would get these, what we used to call VHSs or videos. <laughs> right, <laughs> remember those. And so uh, I'd bring home uh, a video, let's say, a series called um, Africa, A Voyage of Discovery by Basil Davidson. Uh, is a BBC series, uh, a man from Great Britain. And then I'd uh, pick up the uh, Eyes on the Prize, Part 1, Part 2, uh, The Promised Land, about the move from the south to the, especially the Chicagoland area. And uh, I just began to read books, and, and then I bumped into Ivan Van Sertema. And uh, I remember calling him up. I, someone gave me his home phone number. I called him up, and I said, uh, uh, you don't know me, and I barely know you, but uh, I would like to get to know you. And what happened is that he began to share things with me, and then he, he got my address. The next thing I knew, three weeks later, I got a big, huge box of his books that he edited and wrote. And then I called him back and asked him if I could, if he would become my historical guide, my main historical guide. And we spent hours on the phone together where I'd read a book, and I'd redline it, I'd ask all kinds of questions, and he let me ask any off-the-wall question that was ricocheting around my little pea brain. It was just a fascinating experience. Wow. We had a great time talking. He's passed away now since uh, 19, uh, 20, 2000, 2009. And um, I miss him, you know, on, on many levels, but especially just uh, hanging out with him on the phone, just talking with him about various things, bouncing ideas around. So uh, wow. that kind of was the, the genesis to, um, and then I met a gentleman by the name of, of Mark Mitchell, who has a huge black history collection, and Mark and I began to talk, and I just saw the power of his collection, uh, the, just the impact it had. It is a transcendent quality, transcending race and gender and generation and religion, uh, class. I mean, just fascinating. And so I began to, uh, he became a mentor of mine, and I, I began to develop my own collection, which is now well over 3,000 pieces. Uh, the oldest piece dates back to 1553. I've been able to do exhibits at the United Nations twice, and plus they've used some of my pieces and information on international exhibit that's going around the world right now. Uh, Clinton Presidential Library have done things in conjunction with the White House communication staff. Uh, also, uh, Secret Service, four years in a row, FBI, just fascinating uh, stuff that wow. emerged as a result of this collection. It's, it's opened up doors, and I find that, especially when I'm speaking about diversity or black history, um, it opens up the minds and hearts to receive what I have to share, because when people see 20, 30, 40 pieces uh, of my collection and exhibit before I speak, you know, now they're intrigued. What's this? What? Why does? What's this white guy all about? What's his? What's his deal? You know, what, what's what's motivating him? And that's the cartoon bubble above everybody's head. And so I'm able to respond uh, best I can to that. In fact, I have a website 
called White Man's Story. Dot com at white white man's no apostrophe on the s man's but white man's story dot com and that's my uh, online response to that question that people have yeah. about uh, you know what motivated me to get involved. Well, I also want to talk a little bit more about this amazing collection that everybody is talking about, of course, uh, that you indicated you know, over three thousand pieces. Um, I think I saw in your video or somewhere where it even had like uh, the shackles, if you will, uh, uh, for like uh, that some of the the, the slaves may have, um, you know, worn or what have you, um, in addition to so many other different things. What are some of the other standout items that are included in the collection? And and, uh, I understand that it is online to some degree. Yes, blackhistorycollection.com gives kind of a, a brief overview of some of the pieces, but uh, it's blackhistorycollection.com, singular. And, um, uh, you know, that, that uh, one pair of uh, shackles that I received, I was over in, in Ghana at the uh, Slave Coast Castle, and um, I was talking with a gentleman there. His name was C- Stephen Donica. And uh, I began to share with him a little bit about, uh, you know, the film that I had co-created with Don Griffin and the book and uh, some other things in my collection. And then uh, I said, how would it, would it be possible for me to get a uh, a pair of shackles, a set of shackles from here, from Africa? And he says, I don't know, but I'll find out. And he brought everything before the village el- elders there, and uh, they voted unanimously to donate a set to me. Which he uh, he sent to me, and I, wow. I and I just blown away that they uh, were that kind, and because uh, I'm I'm sure it's not an un- unlimited number of shekels they have available, and uh, for them to do that, uh, I, I'm just uh, I just feel so respected by these indivi- the individuals who voted on this, and of course also Stephen Danica, and so um, the other pieces I have what I've tried to do. Carrie, is to develop uh, kind of a more of a global picture because I find that here in America and uh, in some parts of, of Canada also, there's this intractable uh, black-white uh, situation where it's very hard to understand to cross the that, that uh, no man's land, or so, so to speak, between the two races. And so I've tried to bring more of an international view and because I, I, I really think that uh, once people begin to realize that there was there were things going on in in uh, in, in South America, in fact uh, there's well over three million that uh, right now that speak Spanish and Portuguese, uh, people of African descent in South Africa, and many people don't can't imagine that and 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 cannot understand it. But it, it just is. I have documents going back to. Uh, 1553, from Peru, from uh, Ecuador, from Argentina. Some of them are written in Old Spanish, uh, so that even if someone knows Spanish today, they cannot even read these other documents. You have to have a specialized understanding about the Old Spanish Spanish script. And these are all uh, slave documents. Uh, I've got uh, an 11-page document from a hospital where slaves were... Uh, if they got sick, that's where they went, uh, St. Bartholomew, uh, just outside of Lima, Peru. 
And um, it's just an astonishing thing. And then also I have, what I've tried to do with the collection is I've not tr- I tried not to spend so much time documenting the horrific and nature of of the slave trade and all the rest of it, even though that's a part of the picture and is a necessary part of the picture. What I've tried to do is to showcase the inventiveness uh, of it uh, uh, and the creativity of people who are uh, have been under the boot of slavery and the trade and uh uh you know and what have you found Jim Crow for the most laws. part right well what i've discovered is i, I developed a metaphor that uh, is not new but i've applied it to this situation it's called blades of grass in a concrete jungle i commissioned a 90 second uh animated video that people can see on youtube uh, blades of grass in a concrete jungle and it uh what it basically is, is the, the, the concrete is a metaphor for all the horrific things that have happened, ranging from lynching, the black code laws, and, uh, and just uh, the depression where blacks were hired last and fired first, and just so many issues that are, it's, it's impossible to exaggerate the horrific nature uh, that, uh, what people endured. But then we talk about the blades of grass who came up through, cracked through, uh, and sometimes exploded through the concrete. So uh, the thicker the concrete, the more inspirational the story. So by using this metaphor, it gives permission to talk about the horrific nature without it being a downer. Because then, as I mentioned, the thicker the concrete, the more inspirational the story. Once we begin to understand how terrible it was, and then we see the accomplishments of, the, of individuals in spite of how terrible it was, my goodness, uh, I, to myself, I say, you know, uh, man, I think I've got problems. <laughs> you know, I mean, here's, right. a, here's an example of somebody who had everything stacked against them, and they still uh, made something of their lives and an inspiration to their families. I mean, we all have concrete internally. Uh, stuff like, you know, hey, I'm dumb, I'm stupid, I can't make it, I'm a fraud, uh, you know, people really knew what I was all about. That's the, that's the stuff that echoes in the minds and the hearts of just about every human being. And at one point or another, they can actually rob them of their purpose and their potential. Right. And so that we all have that internal concrete. I'm too short, I'm too fat, I'm too skinny, I'm too tall, I'm too this, I'm too that. My ears are too big, my ears are too small, my hair is not enough. You know, all that kind of stuff that that gurgles around. But then you add to it the systemic issues in a culture that provide external concrete that that actually uh, can uh, can become so uh, terrible and, and and so demanding of a person's attention that it can actually cripple them and and uh, and come rolling over them and just say, well, I, I guess I'm nothing. I might as well commit suicide. I might as well do something harmful to myself so that I, I sabotage my own success. But here are people that came up through it in spite of it. And that, to me, is, I just shake my head. And every time I see pieces from uh, Annie Malone and uh, Madam C.J. Walker and uh, Frederick Douglass and Toussaint Louverture and uh, other individuals, Marcus Garvey, I mean, the list goes on and on and on of individuals. Pearl Bailey, um, it just is astonishing to me what these individuals accomplished. And so what I've tried to do is develop a, a touchstone, if you will. For instance, like Pearl Bailey, I have the actual check that she was paid for her part in Porgy and Bess. 
And uh, really? someone, I'm not going to tell you how much it was because someone might say, how much was that? I'm going to say you have yeah, to go to blackhistorycollection.com <laughs> and uh, do a search for Pearl Bailey, and you'll find out how much she was paid for her part in the movie that came out in the early 50s. And so it, wow. it just is amazing when you think of what people like her accomplish. I have Ethel Waters, her contract, mm-hmm. her book, His Eyes on the Sparrow. It was a smash bestseller. And um, and I have the actual contract signed by her and her uh, co-author, the one who, uh, the ghostwriter, not the ghostwriter, because he, he was declared that he, he wrote the book, but co-author with her, uh, Charles Samuels. And then I have other items in here. Well, Dr. Uh, Freeman, is it... Is it was it hard to kind of gather these items? Um, how do you find these items? I mean, is it <laughs> is it easier nowadays because of the internet? I guess I should ask. It's actually very difficult. If someone were to b- embark upon a collection like this, right? right if I now, were to start a collection today, uh, I don't think I would be able would be to do virtually- it be virtually impossible, and I'm not kidding. It, it is. Wow. I know what out, what's out there and what's not out there, and it is uh, it, the stuff that you get now, just reproductions, and there's a lot of fakes, and uh, it's very hard. For instance, I have, a, I have an original letter, handwritten letter by Frederick Douglass. Uh, it's it's wow. almost priceless because where could you find one? You know, someone might say, "Well, I've got everything." No, you don't. You don't have a handwritten letter by Frederick Douglass. You no, know? That, and, and that's to huge. Someone like an Oprah or a, you know, you name the names mm-hmm. uh, out there of individuals that would be interested. I mean, it just it, you, if they went out to look for it, they they couldn't find some items that that I've been able to bring together. Wow. Wow. Well, I have to say, let me just remind everybody and kind of bring everybody up to where we are. If you've just joined us, you're listening to the Hair Radio Morning Show. Now, today's guest is Dr. Joel Freeman, and he is the founder, CEO, and president of the Freeman Institute uh, in Maryland. And I'm so, I think um, we've been kind of following along and just thoroughly impressed with the amount of information that you have. You are truly a historian in every sense of the word, um, and an entrepreneur, and you just uh, you just cover everything. Really, I don't think I've seen anybody in a long time like this. Who I just um, we're all blown away with this kind of information, this knowledge, and the willingness that you share, uh, just uh, putting it out there, and um, it's it's quite remarkable. So um, I'm kind of turn to, um, well, you know what, I, I do want to talk a little bit about um, Annie Malone and some of the other folks that you write about. And I know we kind of glossed over the book a, a bit that you, uh, that you wrote with the, uh, with the gentleman, uh, Don, Griffith, Don Griffin, I believe. Don Griffin, yes. So, yeah, so I want you to talk about the book specifically. Tell the folks a little bit more. Is it still? Are we able to get a copy of this book? Yes, it can be gotten online on Amazon or any anywhere else, and um, or they can contact me after the program or something like that, and I'd be happy to sign a copy for them and send it to them. Sure. Um, right. But it's, now it's called it, the Return to Glory. I just want to make sure that yes, it's clear. Return to Glory. Subtitled, subtitled, The Powerful Stirring of the Black Man. And uh, the first half is uh, all about the historical content, and that's the, the half that Don wrote. The second half has to do with the mental, emotional, spiritual roadmap to wholeness. And in that, la- that last part, 
I, I detail how a person can walk through the grieving process. Uh, when, uh, because I remember when I was interviewing people for the book, mm-hmm. especially because the book is targeting especially young men, ages about 12 to about 27. And uh, when, while we were researching this, we had people tell us, you're crazy. You know, wh- why would you want to write a book? Because if you want to hide something from young African-American men, you just put it in a book, right? That's what they're telling us. Oh, and they said, you're, it, yeah. you're wasting your time. Right. you got to use more visual, music, whatever, other other means and methodologies to reach your target audience. But we, we forwarded, we kept on going with it, and... Uh, I'll Which is a horrible stereotype, all in it, you know, unto it, itself. It is absolutely, <laughs> you know? absolutely. Yeah. But that's the that was the messaging we we were right. message we were getting from people we were interviewing for the book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So anyway, what happened is um, the second half deals with the mental, emotional, spiritual roadmap. And so what I what I did is, um, you can imagine on a suspicion scale from somewhat to to extremely suspicious, we're banging on the extremely suspicious end of the scale. When I'm interviewing uh, someone, let's say, for the book, and they're saying, you know, why are you writing this book, and who are you, and what are you all about? And so um, uh, what I did is I asked a question, a question that changed the tone of every single interview and brought some of us from 40, some interviews from 45 minutes to sometimes four, six, maybe even eight hours, some dear friendships emerging. And here's the question that changed the tone of every single interview. Do you remember the moment when you realized that because of the color of your skin that the rules were somehow different for you? Now, by asking that question, to have a 65-year-old man pause, look out the window, and then look back at me, and then tell me with brilliant clarity what happened when he was five or six years of age, knowing what the, remembering the weather, what he was wearing, his mother's response when he told her about it, and just, uh, my goodness, it, it uh, really, uh, that question changed the tone, because I began to then see that there was a whole grieving process. After that moment, whether it's five or six or seven or eight or 10 or 12 or 19 or 20 years of age, uh, d- depending on the situation, to then go from that moment to, the, to what Elizabeth Kubler-Ross wrote uh, when she was still alive, she wrote a book about the grieving process. And grieving, uh, we've all lost loved ones or lost a dream, but grieving is all about loss. And so uh, the loss that I began to identify, uh, because my Ph.D. work is in psychology, and I think in that direction, uh, began to see that the loss had to do with the loss of innocence, that all of a sudden a young kid, a young boy, young girl, a young individual suddenly has, it's like the scales have been taken off. It's like the, the blinders have been taken off, and they now can see, wow, they hate me just because of the color of my skin? You've got to be kidding me. And then the grieving process, ranging from denial to, uh, to depression to uh, just all the different aspects that, that go with the whole grieving process. And in the book, I spend a chapter on each layer, each aspect of the grieving process. And of course, it isn't a neat, uh, nice and tidy, well, I'm moving from one part to the next, and never to be revisited, but a person could be in, in what, whatever acceptance means, you know, because who knows what that means. A person could be in acceptance at 4.30 in the afternoon and be back at square one at 7 o'clock that night. 
and uh, working through the whole process again. So that began to really unlock to me uh, the doorway, the under the gateway to understanding uh, what humans go through in a situation like this, and, uh, mm-hmm. and it, just, it just it had an astonishing impact on me. Well, you know something, Dr. Freeman, I have to ask you, and I think this is about as good a time as any, uh, when you see all of the things that are happening uh, in the country uh, in these current times, uh, and you uh, being uh, a person of faith and education and all the above, and uh, what, uh, what can you say and what, how do you... How do you, how do you, how do you, I don't even know how to explain it. What are your thoughts on it? I'm just curious. Well, I think that um, humans are humans wherever we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, in other words, if you're a Korean in Japan, you're going to be experiencing uh, some, some just some crazy situations. Uh, if you are a, um, uh, let's say, a gypsy in Hungary or in, in Sweden, uh, you're, you're going to be experiencing situations that are, are uh, very, very difficult. And if you're in from one tribal system or another tribal system, uh, warring against another tribal system in Africa, very similar dynamics, same color of skin in all uh, in, in these accounts, uh, except Korean and Japanese might have just a variation of the color of skin. But um, and also in Mexico, if you're darker skin or lighter skin color, uh, the darker skinned uh, individuals deal with incredible uh, discrimination. In Italy, if you're from North Italy versus South Italy, in Great Britain, uh, just the sound of your speech. If you're from Yorkshire or, or Scotland, uh, and you're talking with someone who is from uh, uh, London, uh, you know, from a certain part of London. There's immediate, the moment the person opens their mouth, there's an immediate class system that emerges. My point being is that, um, for me, uh, I think that wherever we go, there's going to be this kind of situation. And I, and I think it's important for us to understand the history so that we never repeat it you know, personally. Let me tell you a quick story. Uh, I was down at Los Alamos National Laboratory. Uh, some years back, about seven, eight, maybe ten years ago now. And I was uh, doing their, speaking at their um, uh, Martin Luther King event. And uh, I talked about the moment. And I talked about the grieving process. And there was a gentleman there who was very high up at Los Alamos National Laboratory at the time, a man of African descent. He came up to me afterwards and began to share with me his story a little bit. And then, uh, after he shared with me a story, uh, he said, you know, he says, when I experienced the moment, when I realized because of the color of my skin that the rules were somehow different for me, he said, it was like a a hurricane force wind came against me. He was no more than about six, seven years of age. And he said, uh, in fact, by the way, when you think about hurricane, a hurricane, it, it takes about, uh, what is it, 75 miles per hour for a wind right. to get a name. And, and he said that uh, what happened is that when that, he said, I learned as a young man how to lean into the wind. I learned how uh-huh. to have a sense of humor in the midst of the wind. I learned, it was a dark sense of humor, but I had a sense of humor. Right. I learned how to be successful in spite of the wind. 
I, I learned how to have relationships with people in spite of the wind, but I knew the wind was there. And he says later on, he says, I, I rose very pretty high in, my, in the ranks. I got a job in Japan. He said, I went to Japan and uh, got a tour there. And he said, the moment I got off the airplane, he says, wouldn't you know it, the wind stopped. And remember what I said about the Korean and Japanese. If you're Korean, the wind is at about 120 miles per hour for you. Uh. But as an African, a man of African descent, he said the wind has stopped for him. About three, four weeks later, there were uh, a delegation from D.C. came to visit. And he said they, they uh, met at a restaurant. And he said within the first five minutes, he said, at the, at the restaurant, he says, I felt the wind pick up again. It was just crazy uh. strange. Then he looked at me. He's a no BS kind of guy. He looked at me straight in the eye and as serious as a heart attack. He said, for some reason, I don't feel any wind coming from you. Now, Carrie, I don't know. It just it, it just struck me so incredibly hard what he said to me. And I thought, to, I got, got in the car. I mean, we're in, in uh, you know, I, I had to get to Albuquerque to get on the plane to come back to Baltimore. A couple of times I had to pull over because I was crying so much because it meant so much to me. And I just, at that point, you know, I began to pray, I began to talk to God. I said, I never want to be a person who sponsors the wind for my wife, for my kids, for my next-door neighbors, people at church, uh, people uh, wherever I go, and be in cross-cultural situations. I don't want to be a sponsor of the wind. And not if, but when I do sponsor the wind, I just want to be man enough to go to that person, whoever it might be, and ask for forgiveness and apologize and and uh, and repair as best as I can. Now, I think that that is a metaphor, if you will, for how things can change. It's one by one, people reaching out and in spite of the pain. Uh, Henry Nowen wrote a book called The Wounded Healer, and I think that's what it's all about, that uh, in the midst, in spite of our wounds, in spite of the history that we all seek to understand before seeking to be understood. That's what uh, Augustine said in the 4th century. Seek to understand before seeking to be understood. Those are words worth embroidering. But what's cool about that statement is that it doesn't preclude the need to be understood, but it's all about understanding. And I think if every one of us, within the sound of my voice, myself included, if every one of us over the next 30 days said, I am going to seek to understand before seeking to be understood with our spouses, with our kids, with our next-door neighbors, everybody, mm-hmm. and just I, I think it could, ha- it, it could have a profound impact on, our, uh, on, on, how, on the quality of our lives, on our experiences, and the impact on our work experience, everything that we can imagine. So that's, wow. that's what I think it needs to happen. And so every pore in my, every bone, every tissue in my body, every cell in my body, I want to be committed to that. I want to be committed to impacting other people, like the hot coal prints. The old days, you had the hibachi grill, and you put right. the, the briquettes in there, and there's only one or two that are hot, and then the, and you kind of bring the other the other ones that are cold, you bring them up next to the hot ones, and you hope they catch wow. fire. And yeah. so uh, I just think if we can get just some people that are hot coal uh-huh. briquette coals. And with this message, and little by little, you know, the whole purpose behind the collection. I, I don't, you know, I, I don't, I hold things lightly. 
you know, that collection, the whole purpose of the collection is to help create an opening in the hearts for people to hear this message. And wow. my book, the books I write, you know, everything is all designed to help open up doors and hearts, minds to these kinds of things, to get out of small-mindedness, to kind of move. We can't deny the pain, but it's kind of like a ratchet wrench. You know, a lot of people view the click, 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 you know, the backwards movement. Right, right. Just as that, a backwards movement, backwards movement. But actually, when you think about the purpose of the ratchet wrench to un, to loosen a bolt or tighten a bolt, when you do the click, 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 that's an important part of the whole purpose of the ratchet wrench. What's my point? The point is, is I think sometimes we just need to take a step back, take a look at our pain, click, 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 and we know it's uncomfortable, turn the music off, turn the, outs, the external uh, stimulation off, and just confront the pain. And we might have to do it in counseling. We might have to do it reading books. We might have to do it in prayer. In a lot, a lot of different ways we deal with the pain, but we all have to do that click, 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 and take the step back. But really, that step back is not a backward step. It's a forward step because now we're ready to, to confront the issues in our lives, to, to deal with people out of respect, mutual respect. It's not me trying to be black or someone try, else trying to be white. It's just saying, hey, I'm comfortable in my own skin. I'm not, I'm not going to, to diss my own people. I'm not going to tear my own race down. I'm just going to be who I am. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow you to be who you are when you come in that five-foot zone around me. And so that's what it's all about, I think. Wow. Well, I, I think you put it eloquently, I have to say. Uh, let's talk about just turning a little bit over towards the entrepreneurial part of things. And I love how you really, I have to say, I, I kind of was, I read a little bit closely about some of the items uh, in terms of you helping corporations in, and, and helping folks in terms of diversity and all kinds of different things and customer service and just teaching and being there to, to help guide folks. I was just quite impressed with all of that, uh, Dr. Freeman. So I want to kind of just talk for a moment, and maybe we need to start off by recognizing uh, the impact of an Annie Malone, of uh, C.J. Walker, um, and then kind of talk about um, entrepreneurship in just in general terms. And, and, um, and then I have something I want to mention to you, but um, why don't we start there? Uh, why is it so important? Um, and it seems like all these things are connected when I think about, uh, you know, the Freeman Institute. Uh, it seems like all of these things that you do, there is a, there is a, a theme, there is a, a purpose for all of these different aspects that you tackle. You do a lot and you say a lot. And uh, there's a reason, I believe. Um, but I'd like for you to talk to that a little bit you know, about uh, the entrepreneurship um, and Annie Malone and all of that. Um, why did you decide to include Annie Malone uh, as part of your wonderful uh, site and information? Well, well Carrie, you are right. Um, there's no more than two degrees of separation between any two things that I'm involved mm -hmm. with. In fact, uh, what I did is I, I think it's important for everyone to do this. But I figured every every major corporation or organization, faith-based, uh, nonprofit, uh, for-profit, whatever, most every successful organization has a, a vision statement, mission statement, core values, code of conduct. Right. And uh, I figure, why not 
why not everybody else? Why not individuals develop that? And so what I've done is I developed my own vision statement, my own mission statement, my own core values. And I de detail that in uh, the, the book, uh, the workbook called If Nobody Loves You, Create the Demand. It's a book about entrepreneurship, uh, about taking taking an idea to the marketplace. It's a book about yeah. discerning the difference between a viable business dream and a nightmare as quickly as possible. And it's also developed so that uh, uh, an organization could, could create a, a uh, an entrepreneur club so that people can learn how to deal with objections and learn how to deal with rejection. Because if people can deal with those two things, especially learning it young in life, they can be successful in whatever they do, objections and rejection. And so um, I think that uh, when it comes to entrepreneurship, see, one of the things that I, I, I want to do is, is help uh, community-based organizations and faith-based organizations establish galleries, black history galleries in a community. And I think that a gallery can become, in fact, if someone goes to blackhistorygallery.com, blackhistorygallery.com. They can learn more about this model. Because I think the, the Black History Gallery can become like a town well for a community where people can learn about uh, morals and values and uh, just uh, entrepreneurship and, and so many different aspects of what it means to return to glory. And, uh, and so then what happens is that as a person learns about entrepreneurship, in fact, I, I think especially with let's say, an organization wanting to mentor youth. You know, if you come at a young person with the whole idea of morals and values, they're going to be gone off, gone on New York 2nd. But if you come at them with the idea of how can we connect now with later? You know, what do you do, what do you want to, where do you want to be down the road five, ten years from now? And what are you doing now that will connect with five to ten years from now? And, uh, you know, if, you're, if what you're doing now doesn't connect with five to ten years from now, then we need to revisit what you're doing now. <laughs> and we can do that in a very positive way and begin to understand that the future is, is a connection of, of uh, the eternal now, you know, the moment, these moments that we connect together that become the future. And so I think it's important to bring a, a group of young people together, let's say, and say, let's, mm -hmm. let's, let's have an entrepreneur club. And, um, by the way, let's develop an entrepreneurial uh a business together, and I developed a whole magazine project around that that's going crazy around the country right now. And uh, and let's develop a, a project so that you can learn how to deal with objections and rejection. And then you can learn how to uh, shake a hand uh, firmly while you're looking squarely in someone's eyes. You can learn how to dress in a way, in a manner that's going to be one less speed bump for someone to go over to get to you as a person. Uh, we're going to learn how to, uh, just the way we communicate, uh, what we say, how we say it, when we say it, time, tone, tact. We're, we're going to look at all these different aspects. We look at your values, your morals, your character. But you see, all this stuff gets slipped in through the side door. And mm. it... It's uh, along the way, all this stuff begins to int becomes introduced because, you know, if you want to be successful, if you want to make more money, if you want to be a person that has a greater purpose in life and attracts people to you, your counsel is in demand, uh, you have to start looking at these other areas. 
But if you lead with that foot, the other area foot, it's going to drive them away. But if you lead with the foot, uh, you know, of, of success and entrepreneurship, because we're all either going to be an employer or an employee. And I, I prefer to train up employers people with an entrepreneurial mindset that can end up hiring 100, 1,000, 10,000 people down the road exactly. and provide jobs for families. And that's the kind of mindset I like to prepare people for and um, and so that they're almost not content for anything else but that. <laughs> exactly. Well, I love that. I really do. And that makes a lot of sense to, to me. Uh, speaking of which, uh, I see that you have the video there. I didn't get a chance to uh, discover that before we uh, you know, began to chat today, but I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, the uh, Madam C.J. Walker items that you have, uh, and I believe they're part of your collection, or, or tell us a little bit about that and how did you, you know, we'll turn to the hair part of it. Okay. How did you, yeah, how did you, how did you get that and, and talk a little bit about that. And I'm looking at your video, but I'm not, I don't have the sound up. So, you know, walk me through a little bit of of what all of that is about. Well, Madam C.J. Walker, most everyone has heard of her. Uh, And because when when I'm in a crowd, let's say a thousand people, and I ask, how many here of Madam C.J. Walker? And hands go up everywhere. She's an incredible person. She fought against lynching. She, She gave money for uh, fighting against lynching. She went to Washington, D.C. to help uh, create legislation against lynching. Uh, She was a woman of great character who helped to develop um, entrepreneurs, women entrepreneurs. And uh, and yet, the, the question I generally have in a situation like that is, okay, what well did she draw her water from? Who, what shoulders did she stand on to become who she was? And so uh, I, I bumped into Annie Malone, and hardly in that same crowd of a thousand people, you might have 99% of the folks raising their hand about Annie Malone, about uh, Madam C.J. Walker, but then you might have three or four people saying they know who Annie Malone is. <laughs> so uh, I figured I'm going to make it part of my life mission is to help uh, help people know about who Annie Malone is, uh, yes. because she no, was yes. Go ahead. Go right ahead. Sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. She was. Oh, no. Uh, she was an, an incredible person. Uh, she was actually, um, she trained up over 75,000 women entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, she trained Madam C.J. Walker in, to, in, in 1905, and Madam C.J. Walker became a, a Poro agent, because that was the name of her college, Poro College. She built this beautiful building in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, four stories high. It looks. Uh, I, have a, I have an original book that people can get off Amazon if they go to parocollege.com. And Paro College, it's just very simple. The word, first word is four letters. Paro, P is in Paul, O is in Ocean, R is in Ralph, O is in Ocean, Paro, like P-O-R-O, college.com. And uh, uh, they'll see this building. And then they'll also see a booklet that uh, she she published back in 1926. And a part of my Black History collection, yeah, I have an original one of those 1926 booklets. There's very few of them around. And when you, when you open up the booklet, the first thing you start looking at is how incredible this building is. It's like it's straight. Uh, if I just showed you a picture of uh, some of the rooms, you would swear it's, it's out of Wall Street, New York. 
And uh, in this particular uh, building was uh, a building where she trained up, uh, as I mentioned, uh, over 75,000 women entrepreneurs uh, who she gave cash awards to for saving accounts or home purchases. She gave a diamond ring to them after after five years of service. Her, her philanthropy toward them and toward others was legendary. Um, and and uh, this building is is just it's just an incredible place that she created for this. She owned a whole city block in Chicago. She paid. Imagine this. 1926 alone, she paid over forty thousand dollars in taxes. Just think about that. Amazing. One of the first Amazing. people in the entire state of Missouri to own a Rolls Royce. And well, uh, now, so who was actually the very first self-made female African American millionaire? Was well, it I, Annie Malone, or was it? I mean, not that it you know is uh, something we should you know compare <laughs> on any level, but I'm just curious because uh, I, I've always grown up thinking it was Madam C J Walker. With all of her, you know, things and and accomplishments. Yeah, from all the re- the uh, research I've done, uh, if I were a betting man, and I'm not a, a gambling man, but if I were, I'd put I'd I'd bet the farm that Annie Malone was the first millionaires of African descent, uh, women female millionaires in the country. And that's and what I'm getting. But why? How on this earth? I try to figure this out as well. How did? Uh, and I love Madam. I love both. And oh, all the things there, there's that they no comparison. They absolutely. both are wonderful. Yes. Absolutely. And that's but not even part of the discussion here. Right, exactly. But how on this earth did Madam C.J. Walker take all the things that she learned, which I'm sure was a uh, wonderful tribute to uh, Annie Malone, um, and seems that only America, it seems like we only remember or know of the accomplishments of the student as opposed to the teacher. I think a lot of it, a lot of it had to do with uh, Annie Malone. Uh, what happened is that uh, she ended up getting married mm-hmm. in, uh, I think it was 1924-ish, right around there. And uh, what happened is that after she got married, uh, her her husband, uh, he was not a very good man, and. Um, mm-hmm. He caused such incredible problems for her uh, that uh, I just shake my head, uh, and and felt that uh, he should he was due so much more than than uh, and they ended up getting divorced. Let me put it that way. Wow. And and from that point on, what happened is her business became. Uh, she was a very. If you look at her building and everything that she did, mm-hmm. uh, it was incredible, uh, impeccable. Uh, you know, clean. It was um, orderly. It was. Uh, un, uh, I mean, you could see the record system she had. My my point being, is that this was an incredible person. But once after the the wedding, um, uh, then what happened is that he began to uh, sabotage everything. Uh-huh. And so, and she never recovered. Then the IRS got involved, and uh-huh. she never recovered from that at all. Here's, here's a college that employed in 1926 175 people with franchise outlets in, in North America, South America, Africa, the Philippines, uh, a wealthy, wealthy woman. And then at the end of her life, she pretty much dies destitute. 
all that's left right now is the orphanage, the Annie Malone Orphanage, that uh, was um, a facility on Good Avenue. Uh, I don't know if you remember the song Johnny Be Good by Chuck Berry. Yes, yes, yes. He grew up on Good Avenue, right around the corner. And that's that's where the spelling Johnny Be Good G O O D E in the song it comes from that Good Avenue. All this time I thought it was just Johnny Be Good G O O D. So yeah, G O O D E. If you look it up on the internet, you'll see it's that's how it's spelled. Wow. And uh, and he later became a beautician under the Poro system. He graduated in 1952 because he Amazing. he thought the music thing wasn't going to work, and so he became a beautician. And of course his song. Uh, songs just took off, and um, uh, you know he he never went back to it. But uh, right, right, amazing. So okay, well that explains a, a great deal for us on that because I was I was just curious. I'm really sad to understand that uh, she had that kind of a ending. But you know what? Um, I always like to remind folks, uh, and it always seems to me. Uh, that it's always those who are incredibly talented and creative, and they always uh, attract a certain kind of the opposite, if you will. I, I don't know. It just it just seems very strange to me. But uh, anyway, some that's, people I make great personal choices and bad business yeah, choices, and other people right. make bad business it's the bad opposite, personal choices exactly. and <laughs> good personal choices. Yeah, that's know, amazing. It's crazy. To me. Exactly. Well, listen, thank you so much. This is great. Folks, if you've just joined us, we have really been kind of getting a great uh, education, a great understanding um, of so many historical uh, elements and things that we, you know, we kind of knew a little bit about or we kind of heard about. And some of us have read some things, but not others. Um, So we're so excited to have the gentleman behind the Freeman Institute he is the founder, CEO, and president, uh, Dr. Joel Freeman, and he's with us today. And uh, this is just, I'm still uh, kind of stuck on the 3,000, uh, <laughs> more than 3,000 pieces that you have <laughs> in the Black History Collection. Um, I, I can't wait to come and see that. So um, I'm very, very excited. Um, well, thank I'm you very so much. excited about it. Sure. So this is just wonderful. Um, and we're going to tell the folks again, um, why don't you do that, Dr. Freeman? Tell the folks how they can reach you, how they can find out the items that they really need to focus on on some of these. I mean, you have quite a bit of uh, information. Well, I think if, if people can go to uh, blackhistorycollection.com, blackhistorycollection.com, and then at the very bottom of the page is all of my contact information. <clears throat> and uh, so then I'd be very happy to talk with them if they want to order uh, a book, uh, a film version of the book, Return to Glory, the entrepreneurship book, uh, anything at all, uh, or just want to talk uh, maybe about something in there that they have a collection or a few pieces and they're wondering about it. I'd be very happy to talk with people. And so uh, that's probably the best way, blackhistorycollection.com. Well, uh, we're going to, of course, uh, stay on top of all of this and bring you back, Dr. Freeman. We're going to keep – we've got you now. Uh, And there's a whole lot of this that we're going to delve into on a regular basis because uh, this is something that's so critical and important for us to have a greater understanding about 
And I feel so honored and lucky right now. I feel so lucky that uh, I've been able to come across your information. Uh, I'm just uh, very grateful. Now, I have to say, uh, you know, just uh, before we close out, I had um, mentioned this at the top of the interview. Uh, I just love your, I love the quotes that you've assembled. I don't know who wrote them, but I just love them. One of them, uh, one of the, you know, and these are just a couple of them that I just said, oh, wow, how great. Uh, Patience is not waiting. It's how you act while you're waiting. That's one. (laughs) I love that. And uh, I think that says so much. And uh, my other favorite that I seem to just picked up uh, again from looking at, you know, I started at freemaninstitute.com and I saw this and it's like age doesn't always bring wisdom. Sometimes age comes alone. (laughs) I just love that. Uh, That says it all. So I want to just say you are just uh, extraordinary. So uh, you know what you People are. Say I'm, You're extraordinary. I'm an expert in this or that. I'm not an expert. I'm just a student, and so I'll always be a student learning. Wow. Uh, you know, like someone once said that um, you can't you can't learn with your mouth open. You know, you right. just uh, it's just more of a situation. Uh, you know, you just really want to. I'm always someone that I want to just learn. You know, because generally speaking, you aren't learning much when your lips are moving. And so uh, uh, I just well, want to be a person who listens at least twice as much than I than I speak. I Although I, I did a lot more speaking today than than I well, that's than I okay. Like to do. <laughs> that's that's exactly what I was about to say. It's okay <laughs> when your lips are speaking when they're educating so many people, countless folks who need to hear what you have to say. So I am so grateful and and. Uh, now, are you on social media? We need to uh, find out. Are, we, are you on social media at all? I'm on uh, Facebook. I've got about 16 pages. In fact, there's a, a page called Black History Collection. It's the only one on Facebook. Got over 10,000 followers on that. And got some very, very cool stuff on that. And then, of course, well, you're my about name. to have 10,001. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Black History Collection right on the uh, Facebook page. And then, of sure. course, I have my own personal Facebook page, and I'd love to connect with anybody. And then I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter and uh, who knows about me and all okay. that kind of stuff that's out there. So we can find you. Okay. Well, I, yeah. I'm going to have you back, as I said, right here on the Hair Radio Morning Show. Well, do you have any closing uh, thoughts? Uh, you've been so uh, kind to just share your, your perspective on, on all of this and just someone who uh, has done so much. Do you have any uh, closing thoughts or words of inspiration or encouragement? Well, I do. I think, speaking of the hair and beauty industry, you know, I I just see how uh, Asians have pretty much taken over, and I'm not mad at them. I think they just took advantage of a situation that was open and available. I've developed a 10-year plan on how uh, African Americans can take back the, uh, uh, the hair care and beauty industry. Uh, starting from the top down and the bottom up. And I think Annie Malone figures very uh, much into this. I would love to see this booklet get into every beauty parlor, every uh, beauty salon, every uh, uh, barbershop in the country, and have people learn about Annie Malone. And then I'd like to see uh, the, the most senior people 
in the hair care beauty industry from the old guard companies and the new guard companies come together in the first year, not even deal with business things, just be develop relationship, to take a look at the elephants in the room, to, to, to walk through all of that, to deal with that, and then have a united, uh, just not a united front necessarily, even though that's important, but united, uh, just be united and to really become good friends and understand how important this is. And then the, in the second year, start developing manufacturing and then distribution. And little by little, I think that there's a whole willing audience built around Annie Malone's story that could be wide open because people will not buy black just for the sake of buying black. They want to buy something that is a good price, that's easy, easily available, it is distributed well, is manufactured well, and um, you know, you, you just check all the boxes off, and then someone will say, ah, "Okay, okay, now I'll buy whatever that product is." If it happens to be black, that's what I'm talking about: is to create a whole industry that can uh, that, that can because without the cons- if you if the consumers are, in, are are trained and understand what's going on, I think, and then they, there's a product and manufacturing and distribution all set up in place to deliver it. Uh, I think that uh, within 10 years, the whole industry can turn around and it can become something that's well within the African-American community. But I think Annie Malone is the key for all of this. Well, I just want to remind the folks, and the book that you're talking about exactly, the title and and how we can get our hands on it. It's, that it's book Madam, Madam Walker's Role Model. It can be found on Amazon eBay, but if they go to if someone goes to Paro College, P O R O, Paul Ocean, Ralph Ocean, ParoCollege.com, they can see how to order it. And uh, I think it's such an important piece of history. You know, uh, Carrie, I reached out to the top, the leaders in the hair care beauty industry, and only found two or three that even knew who Annie Malone was. And I said, exactly. I said, you know, that, yeah. that th- this is an important thing for people to learn about her so then they can begin to uh, reanimate her legacy. Well, I'll tell you something. It starts today. Dr. Freeman, I want to thank you again for being our very special guest right here on the Hair Radio Morning Show. Uh, we're going to have you back to kind of, you know, uh, continue this wonderful conversation I think it was a great start, and you've helped to peel back just a little bit for us. And uh, we've got uh, we've got some work to do. We've got some work to do, so uh, we're going to have you back. Well, listen, I want to thank you again, and uh, and you please remain on the line, Dr. Freeman. I'm going to close us out here, and uh, okay. we're going to chat. All right, folks, uh, keep it right here. There's a whole lot more of the Hair Radio Morning Show to come. Thanks so much, Dr. Freeman. Terry Hines, and I've been in the hair and beauty industry for 25 years. It's my pleasure and honor to introduce you to Carapy Shampoo and Carapy Conditioner, two unique all-natural hair products from Carrie Hines Hair Care, especially formulated to remedy any type of hair issue. And the biggest benefit of all is that Carapy Shampoo and Carapy Conditioner grows hair. Carrie Hines Hair Care is the very first African-American-based company to infuse hair care products with caffeine. Why caffeine? Well, many of you are aware that stimulating the scalp is truly what causes the hair follicles to awaken. 
we were most interested in developing a proprietary formula that works on all hair types, whether you have a relaxer or are a naturalista, and not wash away or strip the hair following a color treatment. We're thrilled at the amazing following of Kerapy, and we thank you. Please register at Kerapy.com and join our Kerapy community at HairRadio.com. Again, I'm Carrie Hines. Thank you. La Fiesta! Jesse 
Jesse Smollett, of course, Empire TV actor, has been arrested and faces a felony charge for allegedly filing a false police report. It is also reported that he could get between one and three years if convicted. Uh, So a lot uh, more on this story, of course, as we broadcast this evening. And also just wanted to kind of get back a little bit to the hair talk as well this morning. We've got quite a bit to share with you. It's been a little a little bit of a, 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 a somewhat of a break uh, in recent weeks uh, in terms of the Hair Radio Morning Show and, and getting a chance to talk to everybody every day. Uh, I'm really excited to kind of catch everybody up to speed on what's been happening here at the show. Uh, we've got a lot to, to fill you in about Hair Nation Expo 2019. As you guys know, it's May 4th, 5th, and 6th. At the Showboat Hotel in Atlantic City, New Jersey. And we're so excited. Of course, our keynote speaker is none other than I call the Queen of Hair, uh, Ms. Alilia Bundles, who is the great-great-granddaughter of the lady who founded the entire black hair care industry, Madam C.J. Walker. So there is, uh, the show's going to be just a very exciting time. We have a beautiful theater that holds about a thousand folks, and we're talking about with Fox Seats and a balcony, in addition to separate breakout rooms that each hold about 200 individuals and so much uh, more, plus 100,000 square feet of exhibition space. Uh, so you're going to have plenty of vendors. It is Hair Week. We're calling it Hair Week. Uh, May 4th through May 6th. And again, that is exactly one week before Mother's Day. So that's one week before Mother's Day. You want to definitely get your rooms at the Showboat Hotel. Also know and note that um, our official airline is the one and only Delta. Delta Airlines uh, will carry you right to the Hair Nation Expo. You can uh, fly into Philadelphia Airport and shuttle right on over to Atlantic City. It's really excellent. And please use our official code. It's available at www.hairnationexpo.biz. And also be aware that Budget Rent-A-Car is also one of the sponsors of Hair Nation Expo. And um, again, you can find the code, uh, our discount code, which is a meeting code, at hairnationexpo.biz for both Delta Airlines and Budget Rent-A-Car. Okay, I'm Carrie Hines, and everybody's talking about Jesse Smollett this morning. What can we say? Um, what I would like to say, and again, this is my first official comment about the entire case publicly. Uh, you know, I had to wonder, and let me just cut the, the background music down a tad because I really want this to be heard and be very clear. Um, I had looked at this situation from every which angle. I really was reluctant to talk about it uh, on the air. Um, you know, I'm from the mindset that we don't need to uh, tear down our own community. Uh, folks are always out there to do it for us. Um, but I also think it's uh, important to bring to bring into focus 
some of what could we think could have led to someone uh, literally just throwing their career and livelihood into a tailspin. And we've all made mistakes. We've all been there. Uh, but it's troubling that this amazingly talented individual who I feel has been given so many extraordinary gifts could be so kind of shallow-minded and just not really thinking clearly. And again, we've all been there. What can we say? Uh, what can we really, how can we make sense of this? What can we say? I, I just uh, ask you guys out there, if you would like to comment this morning, we'll be talking uh, about the Jesse Smollett case throughout the morning. Again, we're here from 6 in the morning till 9 in the morning. Today is our show number 399. Again, it's Thursday, February 21st, 2019. Tomorrow, we're talking about Friday, February 22nd, 2019. It's our show number 400. Show number 400 will be broadcasting on Friday morning. It's a very special show starting at 6 a.m. sharp. We want you there. Lots of great things uh, in store. Now, on today's broadcast, uh, we played uh, earlier this amazing interview uh, from Dr. Freeman, who's out in Maryland, and he has assembled a great collection of all kinds of um, artifacts that I think you're going to find fascinating. So if you've missed any part of this, it will be this entire broadcast will be streaming over at our digital online partner at www. H-A-I radio social network.com. So again, it's hair radio social network.com. And remember, hair radio is always spelled H-A-I-R-A-D-I-O, just one R. So uh, again, lots to get to this morning. Uh, again, we'll be talking about Jesse Smollett. We've got information on IBS. Uh, I'm going to tell you what I'll be doing this weekend on Saturday. I will be down at a special event beauty folks uh in the atlantic city new jersey area and so i'm real happy about that and uh again the latest on hair nation expo we're gonna take gonna get on some uh inter uh some great uh, recent interviews that we've had and some other wonderful little tidbits and just kind of bring everybody up to speed um we'll go ahead and get on this particular I'll tell you what, let me just toss in uh, a recent interview with my own very own brother who will be at Hair Nation Expo 2019. He will be sharing with you. Uh, he's a martial arts expert and has a wonderful company and all that, but take a listen to the interview. We'll be back on the other side of this. It's about 12 minutes. Stay with us. You're listening to the Hair Radio Morning Show. I'm Carrie Hines. Now we have a very special guest coming back to the broadcast. It's my dear brother, Dr. Leroy Hines. Good morning. Good morning to you. Yeah, good morning to you also and all and also all of your listeners. I'm really happy to be back. It's been a while. Yeah. It, <laughs> yes, it has been a while. And I'm really happy that you are back because you guys are going to be actually at Hair Nation Expo 2019. And it's my honor to welcome you back. Um, I want to get into this a little bit because, you know, uh, it's no secret you guys are out there really helping folks to learn about personal safety and, and things like that. 
Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about it? I'm going to call you, <laughs> Dr. <laughs> tell everybody a little bit about your company and what you guys do. Well, the the name of our company is the American Self-Defense Association. Now, the overall name, the overarching name is Self-Defense Solutions, LLC. What we what we do, we provide security information to corporate America. We go out into corporate America. We go out into even public industry or public schools, if you will. And we constantly teach about all types of issues that regard safety, personal safety, as well as organizational safety. Lately, over the last couple of years, the main focus has been on active shooters, as well as um, issues regarding date rape and um, just crime in general, personal crime that can happen to an individual getting in and out of their car. A lot of times people think that because we are talking about these issues that that's all we do is just talk about. We also teach combatives too. And the combatives that we teach is, um, is to a number of different organizations, including the United States Warfighter. Wow. So this is actually like um, also physical, actual like training as well? Yes, we, we do provide training. I provide a number of different seminars throughout the country and mm-hmm. also in the UK every year. Um, these seminars focus on a number of different things, but most of these seminars are, most of them are for professionals like, like security personnel. Um, as I mentioned earlier, the U.S. warfighter, the military that is, as well as um, correctional institutional guards and, and, and personnel, police officers. And what we primarily do is focus on a number of different issues, whether it's fighting or taking on more than one individual, but not fighting to win fights that way, but fighting to get to the tools that they've been issued. And that's why we, you, won't go, you won't see us at regular martial arts um, exposés or anything like that. You're going to only find us up front of combatives. Because what we do, we kind of, our, our industry is kind of like professional people who have to use, sometimes use lawfully force um, for their duties as a responsibility to perform their duties or, or sometimes deadly force. Wow. Well, you're going to have a lot of folks who are women. They have salons and shops and all of that. Um, and I think everybody seems to be so concerned about safety these days. It just seems even more prevalent that uh, their concern seems to be, you know, just have risen in recent times. You know, you're you're out there in the world, and and you have always come to the show and given us your opinion about things happening in the world. Has there been an increase, or are we just imagining that you know that crime and personal crime seems to be on the rise? Yeah. Well, to really, to be honest, personal crime or attacks that you witnessed back in the late 1970s or the mid 1970s, all the way up through the 1990s, that's on the decline. That's awesome. <laughs> um, right. That, that's kind of like on the client. You still have randomness. A lot of times it's environments, but the problem is, is terra incognita, for lack of a better way of saying it, using a Latin term, it can occur anywhere at any moment where an individual is that basically uh, that have these dark type of impulses. So it can occur anywhere. 
the truth of the matter is, is that there are other safety issues that we need to really be concerned about. We can be in Walmart and all of a sudden something can happen there. Like you can have somebody who could be an active shooter there, or you can have somebody who could just run and stab people randomly, or you can have people who just go upside somebody's head. What we can't teach everybody how to combat against these things, but we can teach people to be alert and we can let them know what their options are. One thing for sure, like for sure, like if you are in a classroom, like if you're in a school or a college or anything like that, or we have we have strategies. Exactly, we have strategies that one can adhere to, and basically the object is to totally be on guard all the time, but not be consumed by mm -hmm. that. Because if that's the case, then you're never going to do nothing. You're never going to enjoy yourself. So that's where our focus has been over the years. We do the, the, the physicality aspect um, to mm -hmm. people. And we have lots of people, a lot of women. We have women that are teaching this too, particularly most of our women are in Oklahoma as well as in um, Washington State. And most, most of them are in law enforcement too. They've been with me for a number of different years. What, what we do in terms of that, we train on how to handle certain situations to be able to get out and run and, and, and run for your life, as opposed to stay there to try to fight to win a battle. My philosophy is never, has never been and never will be to stay and fight to the bitter end. It's to, stay, it's to fight and run. Yours and is that basically flee, the, flee fast. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, and and the same thing in terms of law enforcement is to fight to get to your tools, or the same wow. thing with the warfighter, fight to get to your tools that you've been issued. You know, so that so that this way here, we we kind of like keep it real and keep it somewhat on a logical trajectory, as opposed to making it look like we could do what we see on Hollywood, on television, right. and in the movies. Exactly, and that's the key, and that's what I really wanted to get across with you guys on the show today. Uh, this is really important stuff that we're covering, and the folks who come out uh, to Hair Nation Expo May 4th, 5th, and 6th out in Atlantic City, New Jersey, and of course we have a lot of information at hairnationexpo.biz, B-I-Z, but I'm most impressive, uh, I'm most excited, I should say, to have you guys there because, again, this has been a big concern of recent times, and folks have even asked us if we are going to do something like this, and I think this is going to be awesome. We're chatting today on the Hair Radio Morning Show, um, and I better I better go ahead and welcome all of our listeners, not just the Hair Radio Morning Show, but also our members of the Hair Radio Social Network site, HSN, which is at hairradio.com, and also our brand-new listeners at 107.9 FM out in Decatur, Illinois. To everybody, good morning and welcome. We're chatting with Dr. Leroy Hines, my big brother, also. Going to go ahead and, and make sure folks remember. They, most A lot of guys remember, out, uh, most of our fans remember you being on the show, uh, talking about politics and giving us a little bit of your insight. Uh, we'll probably have you back for that because uh, that uh, you know we get into some heated discussions on that. And we, we welcome your input, and we certainly can't wait to have you back on the Hair Radio Morning Show. Well, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, the, 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 the irony is that most people know me from the political or either they know me from the economics and stuff like that. Most people, it's either people know me from either economics or something like that, or they know me from the combative world. Nobody never really merged the two of these things. And, um, <laughs> wow. So, 
So I'm, I'm really looking forward to coming back to discuss on those issues. Matter of fact, um, as I think you know already that I'm in the process of writing a book. My best yeah. friend, Ernesto Ferrer, he teaches at the University of Porto in Portugal. Him and I, we went to school for 13 years together, and we're looking at the whole um, changing political landscape, political economy landscape in Europe as well as in the United States, and as a, and looking at Europe's effect on the United States and the United States' effect on Europe and the effect of the of the developed world on the state, the, the the effects of on the of the developed world on the developing world. So that's kind of like some of the things that we are really looking at, looking for. The problem is things keep changing and, and events is happening so fast. Every time we put together manuscripts, I, like yesterday I was talking, then before yesterday I was talking to Ernie and I said, hey, look, I got to go back. I said that, you know, I want to revise this right here. So hopefully sometime by the summer of next year, we'll have that book out. Absolutely. Well, even when you come to the Expo uh, in May of 2019, we're really, really excited about it. Um, and hopefully you'll come back to the Hair Radio Morning Show um, when the book comes out and even before to give us a, you know, a little bit more of a preview. We would love that. We'd love to know a little bit more about it. And uh, the listeners of the Hair Radio Morning Show, now I just want to make sure to send all of the, the fans, the folks listening to the program right now, to your websites. Uh, that you guys have out there. So I know that you have afrojitsu.com. Uh, please spell that and give them uh, all your websites and ways that they can find out more about, especially in particular, the self-defense and, and things of that nature. Okay. Yeah, well, we have two websites that you can obtain resources from. One of them is afrojitsu.com, and that's A-F-T-S-U.com. That website is for all of my students, and it basically have activity that goes on across the country in Atlanta, uh, Oklahoma, all over um, New Jersey. Then we also have the professional website for for the warfighter as well as other um, professionals that use martial arts for to be able to enhance their work or their job. And that is ASDA, A-S-D-A Combatives.com. So, that, again, that is asdacombatives.com. And awesome. both of these resources right here, both of these websites will actually link you to me, and I'll be more than glad to hear any comments that you have or a- answer any questions that you may have. Absolutely. And and for folks out there, you guys know how to reach us, uh, Hair Radio Morning Show, and through our site at hairradio.com, we'll put you in touch with Dr. Leroy Hines of Self-Defense. Solutions LLC. Uh, very excited to have you here with us on the broadcast, as we are whenever you come to town. So I um, just want to thank you so much. Again, you guys will be doing a special presentation at HairNationExpo.biz. So we will get more information to you guys as we begin to roll it out. Dr. Leroy Hines, thank you again. It's funny to call <laughs> Lee, thank you so much for being on the Hair Radio Morning Show. It's been my my. Honor. Hey, I'm looking forward to it. And at least, at least, at least Lee is better than Junior. So you know. <laughs> you got it, Lee. From now on, Lee is it. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Have an awesome okay. day, guys. Thank you. All right, take care. Got, you got it. We've got a lot more of the Hair Radio Morning Show. Go. Morning Show. You're listening to the all-new Hair Radio Morning Show.
the number one daily radio broadcast is all about hair and beauty. And it's hosted by hair industry legend, Mr. Kerry Hines and his amazing team. Tune in each weekday from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. on Blog Talk Radio Online or call 917-889-9947 to listen live. I'm Mary, your announcer. Now let's go back to the Hair Radio Morning Show. You deserve a crown of confidence. At Rhythm Wigs, we design quality, naturally textured human hair wigs and an elevated experience for professional women. Let your hair always reflect the beautifully bold you, whether your natural hair is resting or needs a boost. View our styles at RhythmWigs.com and give us a call at 919-371-8229. All right, we're back live. You're listening to the all-new Hair Radio Morning Show. I'm Carrie Hines. It is Thursday morning. It's February 21st, 2019. It's our show number 399 today. Uh, it's about 7.36 in the morning. Uh, that's Eastern time as we broadcast live from Brooklyn, New York. I want to thank you for taking a moment to join us on the air. Uh, lots to get to and to talk about this morning. Uh, we're going to try to remain upbeat for our amazing listeners, but uh, folks out there have been talking about this uh, whole case with uh, Jesse Smollett. Uh, so we're going to be covering that in just a bit. I also wanted to bring everybody up to speed on what's happening um, at Hair Nation Expo 2019. We've got that to talk about. Tomorrow's our 400th broadcast. Tomorrow we are doing a live, all-new broadcast of the Hair Radio Morning Show. I've got some amazing guests lined up to join you. You definitely want to join us. It's from 6 in the morning until 9 o'clock in the morning. Uh, we also have all new shows all next week. And this weekend, I'll be down in the Atlantic City, New Jersey area. We'll be talking about that if you guys want to join us uh, for a live event on Saturday. So we're talking about on Saturday, the 23rd of February, uh, 2019. So we definitely will bring you all the details on that. We want to thank our friends at New Grow Hair uh, who are just uh, releasing uh, details about their upcoming participation at Hair Nation Expo 2019. And also, I will be at the International Beauty Show March 10th through March 12th. So, it's a lot going on this morning. And again, I want to thank you for joining us. Uh, Lots of good things to get to. We'll take a little bit of a music break. And then uh, we've got some amazing interviews coming up. Uh, Myself, I posted on Facebook this morning an article that I wrote for a local New York newspaper back in 2003. And uh, all of that to say I have some really, really big news that involves a new local New York newspaper uh, right now in 2019. So we're going to talk about all that. I'm excited to mention about our partnerships and all the things that we have going on. We want you to stay with us again until 9 o'clock Eastern Time today. And then we're streaming this broadcast over at HSN for HSN members. And again, HSN is our hair radio social network site. And you can become a member for free at www.hairadiosocialnetwork.com. 
So again, we'll take a little, little bit of a music break. We'll be back with you uh, live on the other side and a lot more really to get to today. Uh, stay with us. We've, we've got a lot to get to. Stay with us. You're listening to the Hair Radio Morning Show. I'm Carrie Hines. Now I have a very special guest with us today. Her name is Alelia Bundles, and we'll have her tell you the rest. Good morning, Alelia. Good morning to you, and welcome Good to the morning, show. Good morning, Carrie. 
Yes, it's great to have you with us here on the Hair Radio Morning Show. Now, I just want to jump right on in. You are now. Hold on. Let's let's let you tell us about the amazing lineage that you have in the hair and beauty industry. Go right ahead. You take it away, Alelia. Well, I, so I grew up with two parents who worked in the hair care industry. Um, my great great grandmother is Madam C J Walker. My mother was vice president of the Walker Company when I was growing up, and my dad was president of Summit Laboratories. So we spent our vacations going to hair shows. Wow. Well, you know what? Let's start off there. Tell us a little bit more about, now, I I've, certainly we're a little bit more familiar, obviously, with your, your great-great-grandmother and, and even your mother's work, I mean, your grandmother's work and so forth. But tell us a little bit more about um, the your grandfather, was it, that you were just mentioning? My father. My father was president of Summit Laboratories, and my mom was okay. vice president of the Walker Company. Oh, okay. Now tell us about the Summit Laboratory. So what did he do? He was... Well, so Summit Labs, so in the late 1950s when companies like Johnson and Soft Sheen and Summit were developing uh, the chemical hair straighteners and, you know, people were going from the hot comb to to, uh, to chemical straighteners, then my dad was president of one of those companies. So when I was growing up, actually the Summit Labs was the bigger deal, was the more successful company financially, but the Walker Company, um, my great, that was founded by my great-great-grandmother, Madam C.J. Walker, in 1906, certainly continues to have the legacy as a founder of the black hair care industry. I see, and that's what I wanted to kind of jump on in. I just wanted to mention a little bit for us that it might have been lesser known. Amazing. Now, mm-hmm. um, you know, we have to, let let us kind of elaborate a little bit on that. When someone mentions to you, and I know you've done a million of these interviews, and of course, everybody wants to ask you, uh, you know, what was it, what is it like uh, being related to the person that we consider who started the entire black hair care industry. So I have to ask you the same question. <laughs> what you know, you and, it's, and it's perfectly fine. So I will tell you, you know, as a kid, um, I wasn't paying a lot of attention to it. And my mother, who had was the fourth generation of women in her family to be an executive with the Walker Company, was really wise about not making it a big deal Uh, because you don't really want to overwhelm kids with something like that. And so she kind of let me discover it on my own. I would ride with her to the Walker Building in Indianapolis, which was this beautiful block-long flat-iron building where the company was based, the factory, the a ballroom, a theater, you know, a drugstore, a beauty shop. So I would get out of the car with her, ride up the elevator to her office where in the late 1950s she had an adding machine and a typewriter right, before computers right. and calculators. Oh, yeah. So I experienced that the Walker Company in that way, going back with my mother to the factory and talking to the ladies who were still um, you know, working there and putting the products into the jars by hand. So I had that kind of memory. And then um, my real love was writing and both of my parents encouraged me to follow my dreams so that when I got to graduate school at Columbia in journalism, my advisor was a sister named Phyllis Garland, the only black woman on the faculty at the journalism school. And Phil recognized my name, Alelia, which is Madam Walker's daughter's name. And she said, your name is Alelia. Do you have any connection to Madam Walker and Alelia Walker? 
and I think she probably knew the answer, but I wasn't walking around <laughs> talking about it all the time. And Phil, after listening to some of my lame topics for my master's paper, <laughs> said, you know, you are going to write about Madame Walker. And that was in 1975, and really Phil validated it for me at a time when nobody else was really saying you need to write a book about this amazing woman. Wow. Well, I have to say also the fact that you have uh, that you are a part of this amazing lineage that we feel has really shaped everything that we know about here in BDI. I say, um, what do folks? I mean, when they come up to you, uh, what you know? What do they? You know, is it something that they're really nervous and, like you were saying, you know, maybe <laughs> apprehensive about? Uh, and and what does that mean to you? You know, I think the thing that's really the most special thing for me is that I get a chance to tell this story. And, you know, and again, as a young person, I was kind of self-conscious about it. I was really, you know, much more interested in Alelia Walker and her Harlem Renaissance life. But what I, you know, as I became more mature and as I really began to understand who Madam Walker was, I realized that her story inspires other people. And it is about hair, and it is about her being the a pioneer of what's now a multi-billion dollar industry. But it's also about her challenges and her overcoming obstacles and being an entrepreneur, being a single mother, and having early struggles in her life. And then being able to employ thousands of other women, helping them become economically independent, and taking it even to another level by becoming a philanthropist and a patron of the arts. So she used her wealth and her influence to make a difference in her community. That began to become as important to me as the hair care part. Wow. Amazing. And we're going to get into that because there is still, you guys are a part of uh, providing still hair care products that carry uh, Madam C.J. Walker's name. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Tell us a little bit about that. We'd, we'd love to hear more. So the the Madam C.J. Walker Company was founded in 1906 and really was one of the premier black-owned hair care companies into the 1950s. But it was, you know, the market was disrupted by companies like Summit and Soft Sheen and, and Johnson Products who were do, doing a different way, creating new products for black women. And so the Walker Company began to, you know, sales began to drop off in the late 50s, but the company never went out of business. And about six, five, six years ago, Richelieu Dennis, the CEO of Sundial Brands, uh, bought the trademark and has, as we know, reformulated um, Madam C.J. Walker Beauty Culture. So there now are 24 products, all new formulas um, that are available at Sephora. And I think, you know, sometimes I do still get emails and phone calls from people who say, now can I buy that original Madam Walker's Wonderful Hair Grower? You know, my grandmama used to use that, and that was... (laughs) (laughs) And I just try to be really gentle with folks and say, you know, Uh know, 106 years ago, um, this was revolutionary, which was essentially petrolatum like Vaseline and right, sulfur right, right. that healed dandruff and scalp infections. We needed that then yeah. in 1906. We have learned, we've had 100 years of research and development, and we have taken advantage of that <laughs> with, uh, these, with these new products and these new formulas. Absolutely. And to have done something that has such an impact, I mean, to be at Sephora 
And here in New York, that's like huge to us here. So exactly. outstanding. And I love the work that they're doing. So we're going to shout out those folks, uh, you know, with the the new voices and right. all that they're doing. So good work. Now, hey, I have to ask you, and, and folks out there, if you've just joined us, you're listening to the Hair Radio Morning Show. This morning we're chatting literally with, I call hair royalty, <laughs> with Alilia Bundles. And uh, I just have to say also, now, you've got some exciting new projects to get into and to talk about a little bit. Um, I think, um, yes, we're going to talk about this amazing TV uh, series that everybody's talking about. It literally is all over the news everywhere. Uh, but before we get to that, Alilia, I do want to talk about, you've written several books. Mm-hmm. And and I know you're you're working on your biography, which I'm really excited to uh, to talk to you about. Um, but yes, tell us a little bit about um, some of the books that you've written, if you don't mind. And and uh, so, do you? And and also, do you prefer to kind of write more? Like you do so many different wonderful things. You know? <laughs> so I I have written four books about Madam Walker, and I wrote my first one, a young adult book, in 1991. And believe it or not, that was the first book that had ever been written about Madam Walker. Then I did a really a major biography called On Her Own Ground, The Life and Times of Madam C.J. Walker. And that is the book that has that is in development as an eight-part Netflix series starring uh, Octavia Spencer and executive produced by Octavia Spencer and LeBron James. I've written another book for young readers and then a book that has 200 photographs uh, called Madam Walker Theater Center. The book that I'm almost finished with now is a biography of Madam Walker's daughter, Alelia Walker, called The Joy Goddess of Harlem, and that will come out next year. But, you know, the books I, the books are something, telling this story and really being able to document it was important to me because there's so many myths and so much misinformation really about any African-American or female historical figure that you somebody has to write kind of the first marker of getting the facts right. And that's what I've really tried to do in writing the books about her. Well, we have to toss uh, in the mix. Uh, there is the first thing that everyone has said uh, when you hear Madam C.J. Walker's name is the straightening comb and mm-hmm. the first black female <laughs> millionaire. Those are the two things that we right. attribute to Madam C.J. Walker. Um, but it's wonderful to have you to fill in you know, and also who kind of, you know, set the record straight, literally. Yes, well, that is literally. <laughs> and untangle, <laughs> untangle the myths. <laughs> but that means, <laughs> I like you that. know, I'll I tell you, so the, the straightening comb is, uh, you know, it's like essential. People believe that. And they, it's like, but, but you know, my mama told me that and my auntie told right. me that. And so right. that must be true. And I'm sorry to contradict your mama. But uh, Madam Walker did not invent the hot comb. <laughs> <laughs> and, and everybody you know, believes a, that. Everybody <laughs> believes that. But really, you know, and I, I actually wrote part of the, the there's a Wikipedia entry, entry on the hot comb. And I, you know, anybody can write. And I did a ton of research to just make sure people understand Hot combs were around when Madam Walker was still working in the cotton fields in Louisiana. It was, they, you know, they were other people had invented them. They were for sale in the Bloomingdale's and Sears catalogs in the 1890s. So this wow. was long before she started her Absolutely. business. Wow. So, so I just want people to understand that. And, and actually, you know, I will say that part of my 
ambivalence about her when I was a child of the 60s and, you know, going from my perm to my afro was, I don't know what, you know, what I think about that. And as I began to do research, I realized that often what happens with famous people is somebody has, you know, one thing that they think they know about that person and sometimes that one thing is actually incorrect. And what I learned about her and her original products is that, like many women, she was going bald because she had bad dandruff and scalp mm. infections because people didn't have indoor plumbing. They didn't wash their hair very often. They covered their hair up. They didn't wash it sometimes at all in the winter. And she was trying to figure out what to do to grow her hair, not to necessarily have straight hair. So that was really a revelation for me to to really discover that. So no, Madam Walker did not invent the hot comb. What she did was to create a line of products that shampoo and ointment with sulfur that healed dandruff and scalp disease, and really began scalp massages, and then just a whole system of pampering women. That was really what she was about. And I think that it was. I think what she discovered, because she'd had such a hard life, is that women's souls. And spirits needed healing as much as their scalps. So she was kind of charismatic and, you know, sort of had a ministry almost of empowering women. I love it. It it sounds to me as like it's not just what's on your head, but what's in your head. Mm-hmm. So I love it. Now, I do have to ask you, uh, you know, um, the TV series, we absolutely have to talk about this. We are excited. Uh, you touched on it a moment or two ago. Um, this amazing opportunity to bring this story to life about Madam C.J. Walker, your great-great-grandmother. Mm-hmm. Now, um, and you mentioned that it's starring Oscar winner Octavia Spencer. Yes. And she's also <laughs> co-executive producing. So it doesn't get much better than that. Exactly. Now, uh, along with LeBron James. How did something like that come about that you can share with us today? What can you sure? Well, you know, it. I, you know, stories that you've heard. Well, you know, the book was written, and then it took a thousand years for the movie to happen. (laughs) It feels like a thousand. (laughs) It feels like a thousand years. (laughs) But it is very much a part of, I think, where we are right now with who we are on television and in movies and asserting ourselves so that when my book came out, when On Her Own Ground came out in 2001, it actually had already been optioned for a TV movie. And But it was one of those things where it was optioned, the script was written, the script wasn't acceptable to the studio, and um, they, they, the executive who optioned it got fired. <laughs> Wow. And then, so then the option came back to me, and I had another few examples of that that happened over the, you know, sort of the last decade and a half. And a couple of years ago, I got a phone call from Mark Holder, who um, is head of Zero Gravity Management, and they produce, um, you know, TV series and movies. And we talked, and I'd been talking to a lot of other people, and I liked him. I liked our conversation. And he began to um, try to shop this around and had conversations with a variety of people, met with Octavia Spencer thinking that they would talk about her being in those series. And she said, well, yes, I'd like to do that, and I'd like to be an executive producer. And so that's really how we got to this point. And then it's, you know, it takes a little while to get it sold. And so Warner Brothers, 
you know, bought the property, and then Netflix will be the platform on which it airs. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And this, what, um, and I'm sure you realize this, but it's so nice to see and and see our stories being told. Um, you know, and I just I love Netflix for for recognizing this and all of the Warner Brothers and everybody else because this is so important for us to see and for the the millions of folks who you know are going to be exposed to the story on so many other levels. It's just you know amazing. So I'm I'm excited. Yeah, and you know I there there's part of me that says I, you know I wish it had happened. I wish it had happened, but you know things happen when they are supposed to happen, and to have Octavia Spencer in this role with you know what she brings to just to life in general Absolutely. and to have LeBron James and his strong voice even associated with it it means to me that it's more it's going to be much more powerful than it ever would have been if it had been done you know a few years ago when we didn't have this same sense of we must tell our stories we must speak right. up right now for our survival well i just love it because again that's going to, uh, you're right, the time is right now where it can, the voice can be heard probably the loudest, I think, is, I don't know, you know, for lack of a better way to say that, but yes, um, amazing. So one of the other things that, uh, before we let you go today, I definitely wanted to kind of address one more myth uh, mm-hmm. that is kind of out there, but um, but even if there's part of it, maybe you can help us to just clarify it. We have... Uh, for myself and, and 24 years being in this business in the hair and beauty industry, I've heard so much goings on about the 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 battle between these amazing women in the hair and beauty industry at the beginning uh, stages of everything. So I have to toss out the name to you, Annie Malone. And uh, when someone says that to you, the great-great-granddaughter of Madam C.J. Walker, what goes through your mind? Well, you know, first of all, when I was doing the research for On Her Own Ground, I wanted to make sure that I was being as accurate as possible. So I have, I've researched, you know, to the nth degree, and I discovered a lot of material about Annie Malone. I made sure that I found out as much as I could about her, and I included her and their interactions with each other in my book. So I would say that I, perhaps more than Wonderful. almost anybody else, up until that time, tried to talk about the conflicts between the two women because I thought that was an important part of the story. So, And one of the things that is critical for me and one of the things that I'm very fortunate to have is thousands of pages of Madam Walker's correspondence and business records and then years, decades really now of research about her. So I document everything that I write. If I if it's in my book, it's because I have found not one, not two, but two, three or four sources to verify what I'm saying. And we're lucky that we can do that with Madam Walker because she had she hired great staff and had a lawyer who kept good records. Annie Malone is much harder to document because she had a lot of turmoil in her life with a bad divorce and a husband who sabotaged her and some, I think, um, some bad decisions on people that she hired. And so there are almost no documents and no records about her. So it's, it's hard, to, you know, hard to pull her story together. But what I have tried to do, 
by reading dozens of old newspapers and and looking at what Annie Malone was doing every step of the way whenever she was mentioned in the newspaper, and I mean dozens of newspapers, and the same with Madam Walker. Here's my, my conclusion. <laughs> it comes to several things. They were both really important women. They were both really important pioneers of the modern hair care industry. And they were, they were competitors. They were rivals. Madam Walker, in fact, sold Malone's products for a few months while she lived in St. Louis and after she moved to Denver. Malone accused Madam Walker of stealing her formula, but in fact... That formula was not new. It had been used for hundreds of years. It's in medical text and pharmaceutical text. Cuticura was already on the market. Vaseline was already on the market. These were the kinds of things that she was using. There were other people, other black people, who had products that were yeah. very similar that they called wonderful hair grower that they advertised in, in newspapers. So these were two women who kind of were equals and rivals. Madam Walker... I think there there are some reasons why she was more remembered. Madam Walker died at the height of her fame in 1919. She had just built a mansion on the Hudson River in the wealthiest community in America. She had moved, her daughter had moved to Harlem in 1913, so their profile was much higher. Malone remained in St. Louis. She married a man who really, as I say, sabotaged her. And so I think at a really critical time in her, the development of her company, she had some obstacles that were really pretty insurmountable. Now, as to the question of who was a millionaire, (laughs) as a journalist and as a historian, I'm really careful about this. And here's, here's what I can say. When Madam Walker died, in May of 1919, she was worth a million dollars. We have documents. The state had to be probated. They had to pay taxes. So her personal worth was between six and $700,000 during that period of time. It would be millions now, equal to millions now. The, the worth of her company, based on the sales of the last two years of her life, would have been somewhere between a million and $2 million dollars a lot more today translated into today's dollars. We can document that to say at the time of her death, she was a millionaire. With Malone, based on what I can see in newspaper articles, based on a lawsuit that one of her employees brought against her in 1915, I cannot see that she was a millionaire at that point. In, the, in 1927, when, her, when she and her husband were getting divorced, the newspapers call her company a million-dollar company. So that is really the first time that that appears in the news coverage. There is, and I would just add one more thing, that when she died in 1957, there was a newspaper article, either in the Chicago Defender or the Pittsburgh Courier, that says her company was worth $14 million. That number, I think, is pulled out of thin air. And by the time she died in 57, there was, you know, the company, she'd gone through bankruptcy and tax issues and all that kind of thing. So I don't think that that was an accurate number, and there's no documentation. So my conclusion is they were both really great women. They were competitors. They had a really fierce right. competition. And, you know, and I think Madam Walker was a millionaire. I know she was a millionaire when she died in 1919. I have not seen documentation for Malone. Well, I have to say, I, I thank you, Alilia Bundles, for setting the record straight right here on the Hair Radio Morning Show. 
It has been the you know those are questions and and like I said myths and innuendos and all kinds of rumors and everything that has just floated in this uh, arena you know for a long long time and and, and people know, are fierce when they talk about this. <laughs> yes, oh yes, and, and I've met quite a few, and uh, and it's still exciting. That's you know it's always going to be being talked about. So. Well, and they both—they were both philanthropists. They really, yes. you know, they empowered yes. women. So, and and Man- Madam Walker even said at one point, I, "I wish that we could get beyond the ill feeling." Wow! <laughs> oh, this is going to be a juicy uh, uh, TV uh, series. <laughs> so look for this on Netflix. Uh, again, it's uh, based on your book. And, um, you know, I just want to remind everybody, uh, make certain, you know, to pick up your books. You've written several out there. You have the new uh, biography coming up. Uh, coming right, on Amelia Walker next year. <laughs> oh, okay, that's the biography. Okay. Right, now, right, yeah. So that one I'm almost finished with. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Well, now, what would you like to leave us? When you talk about, um, you know, the hair care industry and where we are now and, and whether it's product related or the legacy that you so stand and you know so proudly in that light what would you like to tell folks what uh, anything you want to leave us with today that really kind of sums it all up and brings it on home well you know first of all thank you so much for having me on it's just really a pleasure to talk with you and to know about the important work that that you are doing and i just i think we're in a really amazing time in terms of black women and hair we have gone through the hair wars. We've gone oh, yeah. back and forth. We've had this and we've had that. Yeah. And I now I think there are we're at a point where there are so many wonderful products that really address the textures of our hair that it has given us the freedom to be able to create the most amazing styles. You know, I'm again a child of the 60s, and so we went from that transition from perms and hot combs to afros, and we had sort of one style. It was, you know, Angela Davis, and that was it. It was either a long afro with a blowout or a short one. And so, but now I look at what uh, especially young women are doing with everything from, you know, hair color and amazing braids and natural hair and short and long and twisted and you know, it's just, it's fantastic. And I, I think that, I'm, I love that Madam Walker has a little bit of, of a part to play in where we are. And I love that we have the freedom and the confidence and, you know, the courage to do all kinds of things with our hair and be proud of ourselves. Well, I have to say, you are uh, definitely uh, carrying that torch beautifully. Thank you. And uh, you are. So, Alelia Bundles, I want to thank you so very much for being on the Hair Radio Morning Show. And you have so many things to to uh, for us to look out for. And so we're going to have to have you come back soon. And uh, when the TV series comes out, uh, come back and visit us and, and kind of bring us up to speed on everything. Absolutely. You can count on it. Terrific. Well, folks, uh, keep it right here. We've got a whole lot more of the Hair Radio Morning Show to go. Stay with us, and thanks so much, Alelia. Thank you. Thank you. Stay with us.
You're listening to the Hair Radio Morning Show. I'm Carrie Hines. Now, we have a very, very special guest with us today. He's from the world of music and writing. Mr. Matthew Knowles, I want to welcome you to the Hair Radio Morning Show. Good morning, Carrie. You know, uh, I've, I've been very fortunate and blessed to have done a whole lot of entrepreneurial types of uh, ventures. And one is, is for 18 years, I co-owned um, and co-managed uh, the number one uh, hair salon in Houston for a number of years called Headliners Hair Salon. Is that really? Well, we I actually to... <laughs> published a hairstyling book, Gary, called Hair International back in the, the late 80s and early 90s. Oh, we have got to talk about that. <laughs> we've got to we got to figure out how you and and I should have said music and the literary world on top of everything else. But how did how in the world did you get from the hair industry into the music industry, or are they kind of like one and the same as a lot of folks believe? Well, well, for me, you know, I uh, I was in corporate America, and Tina, my my former former wife. Uh, I asked her one day what was her passion, when, uh, and she said her passion was doing hair and making people beautiful. Uh, and I said, why don't you go to school, and um, when you finish school, we'll open a hair salon. And uh, that's what we did. And that hair salon, we used one of the principles uh, that I had learned, because I was selling diagnostic imaging to the medical and, and I kind of use when you go to a doctor's office, they ask you, you know, fill out all these forms, you know, why are you here, tell us your history. And then the nurse comes and takes you to the room, and, and then she weighs you and, and, and takes your, your temperature and, and asks you why you're there and do your blood pressure. And then a doctor comes, and he looks at that do- uh, on the door before he walks in. He looks at your patient history and why you're there. Uh, what your vitals are, and he's made a decision right there. What you need, he comes see you, and then when he finishes, he, which is the quickest part of it, is when you see the doctor, he leaves, and then he writes a prescription. And I uh-huh. use that same concept in our hair salon exactly, having many assistants. The stylist never left the chair, and I, uh, I, I thought it was malpractice if a licensed a cosmetologist did not continue and complete the service, uh, uh. And, and and that service is is home products for the the customer, and so uh, maintenance, home maintenance. Like we had an after, so that, that was after our philosophy at Headliner. Wow. Well, first of all, thank you for sharing that, and you really you helped to add a whole different layer to this today, and we're so excited about it. Thank you very very much. Now, I have to say, um, along the line, so uh, the music, how did you get into producing music? Uh, I understand that you had, you know, I, I call it that whole passion for excellence and working for others and so forth and having that entrepreneurial mindset. But is that what kind of led you into music? How did you get into the production of music and that whole aspect? Well, the production of it, you know, you know that's uh, as an executive producer, you oversee everything from um, the studio, the travel, uh, all of the, the paperwork that's involved, 
uh, and also occasionally I had the opportunity to co-write uh, Survivor and uh, a couple of other songs with uh, Destiny's Child, and and you get into just over time you, and, and I've, been, I've been in this field over 24 years now, and you you pick up every aspect of it, every aspect mm-hmm. of it, and if you're passionate and you love it, then you you want to learn every aspect of it. And that's what passion does, and, you know, that's my new book, DNA of Achievers, you know, the 10 traits. The first one is passion. You know, are people doing, who's listening right now, are they doing what they're passionate about? Are they doing it for money? It's a big difference. Mm. Well, you know what, let's talk about the DNA of Achievers um, and the 10 traits. Um, we're not going to give all the traits because uh, I'm going to do like Barbara Walters. We learn from the best. Don't give any. Uh, don't give the top trait just yet. We're going to save that for the book. We want you to pick up this book. Uh, it's the DNA of achievers. Now, the ten traits of highly successful professionals. You mentioned passion. What are some of the? Uh, you know, how do folks recognize their passion? We do tell them that. We tell everyone. You know, you know, pursue your passion. But how do you know what your passion is? Do you have any tips for it's, that? It's a very simple step. Uh, what is that one thing? And, and the key word here, Carrie, is one thing. Because the mistake uh-huh. most people make is they all over the place. They love this. They love hair. They love fashion. Uh-huh. They love makeup. They love da da da. You know, that one thing that you become really, really good and maybe even become great if you focused. So what is that one thing that energizes you, excites you, that you go to bed at night thinking about, wake up in the morning, can't wait to do it? And sometimes it's something that nobody even knows because you're embarrassed or ashamed to say, this is really my passion. And I tell everybody, I don't care what that one thing is, if you strive towards getting that one thing right, it will change your life because if you are passionate about something, then it coexists with work ethics. Because when you are passionate, you don't work. You have fun all day doing what you love. And that's, right. that's why I really focus in on passion. What is that one thing that you just excites you, you can just go running out the door right now because it makes you, gives you that much joy and fulfillment inside. Mm, we love that. Now, I do have to ask you, what's that one passion thing for you, Matthew Knowles? Educate and motivate in the areas of entrepreneurship and music business. I've done it mm. all my life. Educate and motivate. Wow. Well, I have to just let everybody know, uh, you know, you launched one of the most successful, I think it is the top successful female group of all time, uh, you know, Destiny's Child, and uh, award-winning, and you've just done so much. And we're just trying to find out what is it that has created this uh, inside of you. I think that this book, The DNA of Achievers, will tell us a little bit about that. Uh, I really do. I, I know that passion is one of the, you know, the first traits that you mentioned. But uh, what are some of the other traits that we should really look out for in the DNA of it? Well, I, I, I talk briefly about work ethics because they coexist. Uh, you can't have one without the other. You can't have work ethics 
unless you're passionate about something. And because if you're not passionate, you don't want to. You know, if you hate doing it. You know, how many people right. wake up and hate going to work every day? Well, God that's kind of like majority of the folks. <laughs> I think it's I think it's very well, few. God bless who, uh, them because yeah, that's true. God bless them because I never. I've, I've been very fortunate. Seldom I have. You know, my early days. Goodyear, when I, I used to work at Goodyear in the summer when I was a young teenager, um, I was determined to do the job, but I didn't like it. Didn't love it. Mm. Uh, I was determined, but you know, I, 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 uh, I, it's a certain joy you get of waking up and going to do what you love. Yesterday, I, I started at seven o'clock, Carrie, and I in the morning. I finished uh-huh. at eleven o'clock last night. And uh, I work normally seven days a week. I go to the office on the weekends or do a ton of emails. I love it. I absolutely love it. I love what I'm doing right now, talking to you. I love it. Oh, thank you, Matthew. That is really, I have to tell you something. We are very honored to have you on the show. And something like this is so critical and important. But I have to go back a little bit. I actually love what you wrote because I kind of live by this myself. Uh, you know, back when you were working in, I, I call it like for corporate kind of, you were doing like uh, the sales and, you know, that to me sounds like project management. And when you have so much that you're in charge of and all of that, and you were so successful, even in sales. Uh, and I say, I it just reminds me of myself, I think, um, when you are doing something like you said that you are passionate about, even if you're working for others and you're really happy about what you're doing, you know, it, it's automatically like a success, so to speak. And I just think that um, you don't necessarily always have to be an entrepreneur if that's not what you're, you know, in your spirit to do or whatever the case may be. But if you do whatever it is that you're supposed to do and you're passionate about and you love it, you know, you can make it into a success and you can feel that success. And, I think this was, you know, so I read that um, line and I thought it was outstanding, you know, when you were working for the other company and, you know, you felt like an entrepreneur is what I'm driving at. No, no, no. Carrie, I, I, I teach, one of the courses I teach uh, at Texas Southern University is entrepreneurship in the school of business. Mm. And the first thing that I teach, Carrie, is the biggest mistake and error that I think we make is we think we get confused entrepreneurship and owning a business. They are two different things. Entrepreneurship mm. is a belief. It's a belief. It's it's a certain makeup. It's like a DNA. It's people that take risk. It's people that are highly energized. It's people that come up with ideas. That's entrepreneurship. There's a, a lot of people that own businesses that are and they're not business owners. They're not wow. entrepreneurs. That's a lot of people that work for other people and are employees, but they are entrepreneurs in how they think, how exactly. they wow. in a day operate. So please don't get that confused. Okay, that is a very good point, and uh, it's something that I absolutely need to bear in mind as well. Now I have to say, and we're gonna we're gonna definitely get on with some of these wonderful traits. We're gonna talk a little bit more about the DNA of achievers. But folks, if you've just joined me, you are listening to the Hair Radio Morning Show, and today we have a very special guest coming to us. It's uh, Mr. Matthew Knowles. Now he has written a new book, 
uh, called the DNA of Achievers, and it's 10 traits of highly successful professionals. So this is something that um, we're going to definitely talk a little bit more about. But also, Matthew, I want to get into uh, some of your current projects, some of the things that you're working on these days and, and some of the plans that you have. Well, Carrie, I, I, again, my, my passion has always been, even as a sales rep, uh, when we truly think about what a salesperson do, they educate somebody on the product that they're selling, and right. they motivate them to buy it. And right. so what I've been doing most of my life is my passion, educating and motivating, and I'm doing that right now. Uh, I'm doing a number of seminars around the country. Uh, November the 14th, I'm in Macon, Georgia, in Atlanta, Georgia, a seminar that's called The Entertainment Industry, How Do I Get In? And these seminars are all-day seminar, and therefore recording artists, singers, managers, producers, songwriters, videographers, choreographers, hairstylists. How about that? Why would a hairstylist want to go to one of these conventions? Those seminars, because it's 300 people in a room, and they all, most of them want to get in the entertainment industry, and some of them hopefully will be successful. And guess what? Love They're going to need Love a hairstylist. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, tell us more. So this seminar, uh, the ones that are coming up around the 14th and 15th of November, how do we, how do we get involved with that? You can go to eventbrite.com. Repeat Eventbrite. that one more time. Eventbrite.com, again, uh-huh. that's the entertainment industry. How do I get in? You know what, Carrie? I have to tell you, man, I, uh, you reminded me out of all the seminars, I mean, all of the interviews I've done on, on the DNA of achievers, uh, yes. I've never, and out of all the things I've talked about, uh, clothing line, Darion, House of Darion, uh, you know, headliners and, and Hair International, I seldom talk about, and I did that 18 years. Did you know, and, and for folks listening, they probably remember in the 90s that oversized hairstyling book. Uh, we had three volumes of it. One day, really? Carrie, I had to make the decision if I was going to be in the hair publishing book business or be in the music business. And I had to make that decision. It was a, I remember the day I had to decide. And wow. I had an office, and on the door said, Hair International Publication. And on the door said, Music World Entertainment. And I I had to make that decision. I used to go all over the country uh, to all of those hair shows. Oh, to Prana Brothers and all those big hair shows and all of that. Prana Brothers, all of them. I had (laughs) manuals. I was educating back then. I had a manual called How to Open Your Own Hair Salon. I had an uh, educational yeah, manual I feel like called I'm talking to someone I, who I, yeah that is amazing. I had a manual called How to Build a Client Base and then I wow. had a, a appointment book that I created. And so some wow. folks that are listening remember that Hair International publication. So you you should feel at home here at Hair Radio. That's exactly the kinds of wonderful things that we do and bring to the, you know, to the beauty world. 
So I love it. I love it, and I can't wait. I want any of those copies that you have lying around, you let us know. We're happy to see them. And if you ever decide to, you know, to add on to this wonderful uh, book that you have out now, again, The DNA of Achievers, and you decide to do something in the hair and beauty way, you make sure and look us up at Hair Radio. We would love to speak to you I about guarantee that. you, Carrie, I guarantee your listeners, they pick up that book and they can go right now to Amazon or Apple and get the e-book. The hardback will be in storage in the next 30 days. But I, I guarantee you, I'll give you money back. If wow. After you read that book, The DNA of Achievers, and after every chapter... There's a, a a work exercise. I actually, you know, that college professor comes out. Uh, I, I I promise you, buy that book and you'll become better at what you're doing in the hair industry. Uh, again, I did the uh, industry for 18 years, and wow, uh, our first million dollars carry was made in 1984 in Houston, Texas, with Headliners Hair Salon. And that was before you, you know, we got to know you in the record-producing world. 1984, Carrie. 1984. Wow. That is absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. And that's headline. Who wow. knew we were going to be talking about this, man? <laughs> we did. Well, you know what? I, uh, this is just amazing. And I, I'm just blown away. I really am. But I have to ask you, there was one of the... Uh, traits that I saw, and I said, well, hold it, I have got to ask Matthew about this. Um, not that I want to talk about learning from your failure, too, because I believe in that, but I want to ask you what's your take on it. But what does talk-to-do ratio mean? I <laughs> I couldn't figure that out. What does what is talk-to-do ratio? And then um, I want to get into more of this. But what's talk-to-do well, ratio? Gary, uh, you, you're in the industry uh, that there's Quite a bit of that, just like in the music industry, that people just talk, 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 talk about what they're going to do, the follow-up. They have an idea, they're going to follow up, or they're going to meet with you, or they're going to call you, and they're going and then you never hear from them. Right. You never right. hear a word from them. Right. Uh, and, and those two professions really do a lot of talk to do. And so it's measuring, Carrie. The percentage of what we say we're going to do versus what we end up doing. Uh, the execution. Measuring what we say we're going to do versus the percentage of the time we actually do what we say we're going to do. Wow. And you find that successful people, if they say they're going to do something, you know, we, we had an interview at a certain time. You were there waiting. I was there three minutes before the time, not after the time we said. We both were there like we said we were going to do. That's right. And that's talk-to-do ratio, a high percentage of doing what we say we're going to do. It's as simple wow. as that. I love it. And, of course, my the, one of the biggest lessons, and, and, and I want to certainly say some for the folks who pick up this book called uh, The DNA of Achievers, but it's the learning from failure. We cannot not talk about that. How, uh, Matthew, do you say, what do you say to folks who need to learn from their failure, or how do you learn from your failure? That's first. That's well, we that. all, we all, uh, Carrie, we're, we're going to have failures. We're going to make mistakes. Uh, when we take risk, uh, sometimes we make mistakes. Just in life on, life on terms, we 
make mistakes and we have failures. Uh, but I basically like to keep life real simple. In this book, I, I try to keep it real simple, and I try to keep it real. I keep it real. And you know, often we don't realize that mistakes are a reason and an opportunity for us to even become better, better at what we do, better as people. Uh, so it's an opportunity, but not a reason to quit. And, and so mm. I I like to say that mistakes and failures are an opportunity to grow, not a reason to quit. And mm. if we haven't walked through some things, we can't grow. I could never tell you how to be the best, I don't know, pilot, airplane pilot. Uh, if maybe you had never... Uh, try to fly a plane and maybe doing your training, maybe you learn some things the hard way uh, that maybe you don't ever want to do it that way. Maybe you don't want to fly into a storm. Uh, maybe that ride got so bumpy and got so scary that you thought it was going to crash. And so you learn, hey, if there's a storm, I'm not going to fly in it. I had that one experience. It taught me I don't want to do that. And, and so we have to walk through this stuff sometimes. We have to grow from it. But what I find is a lot of people, they're almost there, Carrie, of being successful. Yes. They make a mistake, have a failure, and then they quit. They quit but right there, before it's going to happen. Right before. But you've always heard that, too, I'm sure, where they say, oh, you was just about to make it. And then, you know, you have a big, like, it always seems like some catastrophe happens or Something really like I don't know. Some folks say it's a test that if you make it through that, then you'll be successful. Um, it's really it's a challenge sometimes. I have to actually say, being an entrepreneur myself, um, it is it can feel like a challenge sometimes. So you know, this is really nice. I appreciate you creating but a book. Well, you know, Carrie, it is a challenge, but I uh, I, I I have such a different approach. When it gets tough, that's when I gear yeah. up. That's when that's I'm when ready. That's when get real. Like I, 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 I don't, I don't, I put my foot on the gas when mm-hmm. when there's trouble. I don't mm-hmm. like let up and say, oh, and start feeling sorry for myself. Right. And start. You know, poor pity me. That That's not <laughs> what successful people do, man. That's right. They said, okay, only person who's going to help me get through this is me and some good people around me that I can trust and believe in, and I'm going to get through it. First, you got to believe it. Wow. This is amazing. You have to believe. I guess it goes back to, you know, um, uh, you know, like you said, the passion and the work ethics, but uh, there is one other element that we uh, probably have to at least address, and that's the vision. you got to be someone who can, can actually see it. I think. And 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 that vision is just again I like to keep it simple. It's having an idea and thinking the idea all the way through to execution of the idea that it becomes a real product. Uh-huh. And, and so most people have vision and the mistake that we often make is we go running out, we have this idea. And we go running out before we thought it all the way through, and we ask our, a friend or someone who we think is a friend, and we say, 
hey, what do you think about this? And they're like, oh, man, that ain't going to ever work. Well, maybe you should think it all the way through. And so when you go to your friend, you don't ask them what they think. You say to your friend, you know what, friend, I need you to, this is my idea. I need you to invest $100 in this idea. Not I'm going to ask you what you think about it because I'm going to explain it all the way through. And I'm not asking your opinion. I'm asking for your help versus your opinion. That's what a true visionary does. Wow. I love it. Now, folks, if you've just joined us, you are listening to the Hair Radio Morning Show. Our very, very special guest today, Mr. Matthew Knowles. Now, you guys know him. He's an award-winning executive producer in the music world, and he's also an author of this new book called The DNA of Achievers, 10 Traits of Highly Successful Professionals. Now, we did not indicate number one yet. We're not going to give number one. I don't want to give that over to air, Matthew. We want folks to go and uh, certainly uh, order this book. Um, As you said, you can get it from Amazon. We just want to promote it and put it out there. Um, It's something that obviously, especially our fan base, our wonderful listeners of the Hair Radio Morning Show, are very much entrepreneurs and uh, would be able to gain something from this. So this is very, very exciting. Hey, I just want to turn back to music for one quick moment. I have uh, uh, one of our, actually, one of the fans of the Hair Radio Morning Show, when they found out you were coming to the show, they wrote in and they sent um, a question. And they said, uh, and I thought it was very interesting because I don't think I would have thought of this. But have you ever, Matthew, thought of putting together a boy band or a male group or a male version of it? What I'm just what would you, what what do you say to something like that? Well, you know, I'm working with a girl group. Uh, you know, I, it just seems as though my 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 magic is with girl groups. Um, you know, I was fortunate to work with Trinity 5-7 and Gospel, and, and they, similar to Destiny's Child and Pop and R&B and Gospel, Trinity 5-7 is the number one selling female trio of all time in Gospel. And so I have a, piece, a female trio that I'm working with in hip-hop, uh, two rappers and a female vocalist. Uh, their name uh, is Lush music. And I have to put emphasis on blush because it's spelled B-L-U-S-H-H-H. Uh, music. All right. And you will hear about these young ladies uh, very, very soon in the next three to five months. Uh, and so that's what I'm working with. Uh, I had worked once um, with a boy band, but uh, that's a different set of dynamics. That, that, it's a whole that, different set. I love the imaging part also that happens uh, on the female side and the approach for marketing is, is, is a lot different. Uh, mm. and so I enjoy that. It's the most difficult of all is working with a female group because you have a lot of psychological uh, dynamics uh, that has, has, uh, falls into play as well as the imaging as well as the music matching. Um, and so that's a challenge, and I love challenges. And mm. so I enjoy that. Well, it sounds like you can tie the success of something like that, and especially your projects, 
back to something like these but, but, wonderful but trees. But, Carrie, I want to thank you. You know, I want to thank you. I really hadn't talked about the hair industry. And uh, so, you, you, uh, now I'm, I'm happy about publishers <laughs> Angelo and, you know, uh, those guys set up this interview because I, uh, I, I, I seldom do I talk about. There were some great years, some fun years uh, uh, owning that hair salon. And uh, then one day we called a meeting. Uh, Tina called a meeting, and she, no one knew what she was going to do 18 years into the business. And one uh, stylist who was an assistant for like two or three years, maybe even more, uh, and he was not, you know, he wasn't gifted with the the, the, the skill okay. of being a hairstylist. He had to develop and work on it. And he came to work early, and he stayed late. And uh-huh. she called this meeting, and he had been with the company 10 years, and she gave him Headliners Hair Salon in Houston. And there wasn't a dry eye in the house wow. in the room when she gave this stylist the business because he was dedicated he was passionate and he came early and he again he stayed late and those are the formulas of greatness people who come right. early and stay late and she That's rewarded right. him for that uh, wow. but i have to run i see they're knocking on the door and well, i gotta listen, get going man. i just want to say thank you i was so around uh, with that story that's a great story Listen, Matthew, thank you so much for being with us on the Hair Radio Morning Show. I do appreciate it. We have to pick up this book, right. The DNA of Achievers, and we'll stay in touch, and uh, we want you to come back one day and bring us All one right. of the I would love to do that. Talent. Thank you so much, and uh, right. have a great day. Bye. You too. Folks, keep it right here for more. Hi, I'm Carrie Hines, and I've been in the hair and beauty industry for 25 years. It's my pleasure and honor to introduce you to Kerapy Shampoo and Kerapy Conditioner, two unique all-natural hair products from Carrie Hines Hair Care, especially formulated to remedy any type of hair issue. And the biggest benefit of all is that Kerapy Shampoo and Kerapy Conditioner grows hair. Carrie Hines Hair Care is the very first African-American-based company to infuse hair care products with caffeine. Why caffeine? Well, many of you are aware that stimulating the scalp is truly what causes the hair follicles to awaken. We were most interested in developing a proprietary formula that works on all hair types, whether you have a relaxer or are a naturalista, and not wash away or strip the hair following a color treatment. We're thrilled at the amazing following of Kerapy, and we thank you. Please register at Kerapy.com and join our Kerapy community at HairRadio.com. Again, I'm Carrie Hines. Thank you. Let me tell you about Platinum Needles. Platinum Needles are the world's first and only pre-threaded and knotted hair weaving needles promoting health and sanitation. Platinum Needles are easy to use, are available in nylon or cotton selections, and will cut your dreadlock repair, sew-in, and extension times down by 50% or more. Visit us today at PlatinumNeedles.com. That's P-L-A-T-I-N-U-M-M Needles.com. Thank you.
All right, we're back live. You're listening to the all-new Hair Radio Morning Show. I'm Perry Hines. It is about 8.51 in the morning as we broadcast from Brooklyn, New York, to the world, literally, right here, uh, Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Of course, uh, that's, again, Monday through Friday for all-new episodes of the Hair Radio Morning Show. Now, tomorrow, Friday, which is the 22nd of February, 2019, we're celebrating our 400th broadcast. And I just want to kind of bring that into focus because uh, the 400th broadcast of the all-new Hair Radio Show, not my career collective. Uh, So we're just talking about the new radio show. And that's over a 1,000 hours of hair and beauty radio talk. And uh, we're really, really excited about it. It has been just an amazing uh, adventure and ride, uh, literally, to get to this place. So we're really, really happy. And uh, we've got a lot more to come, so a lot of surprises. Um, also, wanted to remind everybody, this Saturday I will be down in the Atlantic City, New Jersey area. So we want to get you guys out uh, to get involved and, and join us live. Uh, you can get all the details over at the hairradio.com site at hairadio.com. And uh, it'll be all the details. Uh, we're just excited to just kind of tell you a little bit more about it. Uh, you know, so please go over there and visit and get all the details about it. Um, I'm really excited about it. And uh, we'll, we'll continue. We'll cover it next week on the show. Also, uh, this whole Jesse Smollett case um, has everybody reeling. Literally, I've been looking at some of my social media as the we were listening to Aretha Franklin, and uh, it's just kind of surprising. I don't know what to say in kind of closing out the subject this morning on our live radio show. Of course, we'll have the very latest on this case tomorrow. Um, in case you have not turned on your TV set, uh, he has been uh, arrested at this point and uh, very sad for all of us and that's what I'm getting from the social media uh, co- uh, comments and all of that everybody's uh, just really devastated by this whole um, case that just literally seemed, seemingly came out of nowhere uh, so uh, my question to you guys will you continue to watch Empire does this affect how you view the show. That's what I really would like to know. Uh, please, you know, get us that answer. We would uh, love to hear from you. You can certainly reach out to us uh, after 9 o'clock Eastern, so in about 10 minutes. Give us a call. I really would love to talk to you about this. You can reach me off the air uh, by dialing um, our toll-free number, one 800 379 Make sure to hit extension two. And what we'll do, if you'd like, we'll play it on tomorrow's show. We'd love to hear from you guys, so please give us a call. Um, also, um, we're going to talk and switch over to some politics. We're going to be talking, yes, politics, about the Mueller investigation and uh, what does this mean to the President of the United States. So we're going to be covering quite a bit. Again, tomorrow's our 400th show. Four zero zero, So that's uh, 1,200 hours of uh, Hair Radio Morning Show. So we're really, really, really 
going to have a special broadcast. So please tune in sharply 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern. Again, you can go online and listen anytime from your cell phone by going online at H uh, at I'm sorry at blogtalkradio.com slash here radio or of course calling in 917-889-9947. Again, if you want to speak, you always have to press one. I want to make sure that's uh, really clear. Now, listen, um, we've just had some great times, and folks have been asking me for one of my favorite memories of the Hair Radio Morning Show. So um, I'll give you just a tad bit of uh, a preview of what you can look forward to tomorrow on the show. Um, you know, the show started in uh, the, literally at the, in the wintertime. It was like midwinter uh, when the show uh, hit the broadcast uh, airwaves again back I'll say uh, 2014, uh, 2015, actually. Uh, so it was really, it's been quite a ride, so to speak. Um, just a lot of amazing guests. Like you guys heard, Matthew Knowles, who uh, was on the show earlier today, who was the father of singing superstar Beyonce and the father-in-law, of course, of Jay-Z. Well, it was great to have him on our show and uh, what I loved about that, it was one of my favorite interviews ever, of course. Um, there have been quite a few, but Matthew's interview was really great and kind of revealing. I had no idea that he was so close to the hair business. He kind of reminded me of hair radio. Uh, so it was really quite interesting. And Matthew's been a great supporter of hair radio. He came back and brought his group Blush to our show. So we're really excited, you know, to always support the efforts of Mr. Matthew Knowles. Um, on our Hair Radio Network, as well as so many others. And I also want to thank some more of our guests today. We also had, um, if you stream this back live, uh, the recording later today, uh, or whenever you're listening to it, the playback, um, we had a Dr. Freeman on earlier today, and he kicked off the show with all kinds of amazing talk, and it was quite an extensive interview. Uh, he's out in the Maryland area, and... Uh, Caucasian gentleman who happens to have been a chaplain for the NBA and so many other things, he really gave us a great deal of insight into his projects and things that he's working on to better the um, experience for African Americans, and we're really excited about that. Hair Nation Expo tomorrow, of course, we will be talking about it nonstop, so you definitely want to join us for the latest. We've got a lot to tell you, and for the first time ever, you'll be finding out the actual uh, lineup for the event live right here on the Hair Nation Expo. We're going to see if we can get some more folks on for you. So we want you to definitely tune in. Listen, this gentleman's son was on our show, uh, Cool Son, who you guys know from Cool and the Gang. Uh, his son, uh, Prince, and well, well, I'll tell you what. Why don't we just, why don't we end this today with, the celebration song, and then tomorrow I'll tell you a little bit more about that in my throwback moments. Listen, thanks so much for joining us on today's broadcast of the Hair Radio Morning Show. I'm Carrie Hines. It doesn't have to end now. You can, of course, continue this conversation over at our digital platform at HAIRadio.com. Again, for all Hair Radio Social Network members, it's free to join. And uh, we'll see you back here, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern. Here's Cool and the Gang. Thanks so much. <laughs>